0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: lives we do have lives, commitments but nevertheless we love our people and i'm talking about humanity right now and we definitely love our bloodline uh uh we believe uh african americans uh and we uh, are committed to their upliftment uh their encouragement uh their strengthening and uh This is what this show is all about tonight. Uh, The Five Smooth Stones Network is about uplifting our people. And uh, starting with, um, as the scriptures say, salvation to the Jew first, our Israelites, and then to the rest of the world. So to the Jew first goes salvation, and then to the rest of the world. That's what the Bible says, and that's what I believe. So my commitment with doing Five Smooth Stones is to our people, first uplifting them, encouraging them, and then all people after that, in that order. So we definitely are for the upliftment of the planet on this network. No hate over here, Five Smooth Stones. Well, listen. Again, brothers and sisters, I again want to thank you uh, for tuning in, especially those who have been following us since 2011. Really, really thank you for your time. You know who you are. You've been tuning into these shows since 2011. Excuse me. I might have said 2009. But 2011, you all been tuning in, uh, hanging out with us. And I appreciate it. I really do. Uh, you don't have to do it, but you do it. Some of you have call that phone number every single week looking for shows. Even sometime when we was unable to do shows, you were still there, and I appreciate that. And then the Douglas Kennedy family line in 15 states, my bloodline, I really, truly thank you for uh, tuning in every single week here with your cousin. is up to, I cannot thank you enough. Again, that's that Douglas Kennedy family line. We really appreciate you as well. Well, folks, like I said, I'm not 100% tonight. And uh, we will see how well Brother Seth do tonight. But y'all know I've done these shows Whether I've been under weather, on top of the weather Feeling on top of the world Feeling like the world is on top of me I just do these shows So anyway um, Tonight It's an open forum It is an open forum folks And we are open No certain topics No certain topic, no certain agenda We just open up to Whatever the spirit wants to say As well as whatever's on your heart I Don't want to get too spooky Talking about whatever the spirits say Because in the end We want to hear from the spirit for sure For all of the challenges we may present Tonight on this line That is top authority But we want to hear what's on the hearts Of mankind Those of you listening so the Father can show Himself great in our lives by His wisdom and, and, and even through prayer. Uh, uh, we just want to just be a blessing to the to the human family tonight. We really do. But this this is what I sent to many of you. This is I'm going to go ahead and read the show's description. This went out to many of you via text email. I went on to say, open forum. So much happening around us, to us, and even through us, both good and evil. We at times seem too busy to glean clarity and make sense out of our lives. One more time. We at times seem too busy to glean clarity and make sense out of our lives. That is the truth. Yet, we are a love creation with massive purpose, and the signs are all around us. Got to read that one again. That was powerful. Yet, despite everything we're going through, everything that's going on around us, yet we are a love creation. with massive purpose my goodness and the signs are all around us i went on to say the topic is open tonight what is on your mind and folks we are a loved creation the father loved us so dearly he put so much into having his man before him spotless blameless he's done a lot the father has done a lot to bring us before him and i'm hoping tonight to to, to hit some of those scriptures talking about just that how the father went out of his way to make sure his man is right there before his presence He used the blood of bulls and goats to wipe away their sin at one point. He just couldn't tolerate them being in his presence with all this sin on him. So he would just get them to offer the blood of bulls and goats so mankind could have a relationship with this Elohim, with this this God. As long as they slaughtered these innocent animals... He could tolerate them. Somebody had to pay for their sins. Somebody had to pay for their sins. Then he got tired of the bulls and ghosts because mankind continued to sin and poor little animals had to pay for their lives. <laughs> and then he sent the Messiah. I said earlier, we are a loved people. The Father loved us. And the signs are all around us, people. If he wanted to destroy us, it would just be a thought. It would just be a thought. There would be nothing to destroy in humanity if he really, truly wanted to destroy us. But I believe, and I'm not trying to make this a Bible study. Again, this is open forum. We can talk about whatever. It do not have to be nothing related to the Bible. I can get a, a biblical answer, even though I might not quote chapter and verse, because that's what the wisdom a lot of us choose to live by. But if you don't have Bible and verse and you have an answer, you're more than welcome to press one on the phone last night and give an answer to any questions that may go forth, or you may present any questions. I don't want to get too spiritual tonight, and i say, Oh, you don't want to get spiritual. Yeah, because. At the end of the day, I'm trying to reach people which you which is why you might not hear a whole lot of uh, church songs tonight you you probably will hear of my your uh, my uh song for sure, but folks tonight we're just trying to reach out to our people, and I mean everybody we're trying to present present answers tonight to some of life's most difficult questions. Okay, for summer life difficult questions. That's what Brother Setz is doing. That's really what I've been doing since 2011, just crank up these shows um, with questions I know people are asking. So let's go ahead and uh, cover a few more things and then we'll be ready to jump right smack into the dab of uh, the, um I said the right smack, the dab of things, but yeah, into the right smack dab of things. And that is bringing on our guest, Sister Eliana Bhatia, whenever she shows up. Sister Eliana, if you're in the house, go ahead and press 1, and we'll get you in as soon as possible. But in the meantime, folks, let me just say this. Um, many of you have been following our show since 2011, and we really appreciate it. I, sh- I shouldn't say follow our show. Many of you have been listening. I told you I'm not 100%. So bear with Brother Seth tonight. I might not sound right. I think my voice sounds a little weird. Um I'm not doing 100%, but uh, we still do these shows regardless of how I feel. But I just wanted to uh, uh, remind those of you that's been listening since 2011 to go ahead and follow the show. That link I sent to some some of you uh, via email or text, click on that link and click the word, the button follow. Folks, all it's going to ask you to do is sign in with your Facebook or with your Twitter or even with your Google Calendar. And it will send you out alerts anytime the show is on. Anytime the show is on, it will put out alerts um, uh, letting you know that we're on. And that's what we want. We want our people to know when we are going to be on. So if you could, please follow the show. Okay, I say it every week, and I mean it. If we don't give out, we don't, without charging anybody for anything, we're not, um, uh, Asking anything of you We don't ask much But we do ask that you follow Five Smooth Songs by way of Clicking on that button and just Signing into Facebook It won't do nothing to your Facebook Uh, It'll just sign you in As a person needing an alert And um It'll send messages to your Facebook when we're on shows, also Twitter as well as Google Calendar. And another thing I want to do is remind everybody: if you miss any of the old shows, any of the old shows, remember, remember, if you miss any of the old shows, you can Google. Uh, a lot of you don't know if so I have to go over this every single week, so don't be be patient. Those of you that hear this every week, because some people don't uh, know this, uh, you can Google. Any of our shows. So just Google any uh, Google Five Soul Song Blog Talk Radio. Five Soul Songs Blog Talk Radio. And you'll get over three hundred and seventy shows talking about various topics. Any of the five topics, any of the five revelations that I call five smooth stones. Remember many years ago I asked the most high five questions. Five questions. And those five questions turn into five topics that I talk about. And we call those five smooth stones. Um, so please, 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 uh, Google, uh, uh, five smooth stone blog talk radio and you'll get the of the shows. we talked about uh, with the revelation of the Israelites. We've talked about, uh, the new world order, one world government, um, uh, We've t- uh, we, uh, well, let me just let me just slow down here. I'm trying to get our guests on, but tonight I'm not. I don't. I, I don't. I don't feel like doing a lot of talking tonight, to be very honest with y'all. So I'm hoping Sister Eliana can run with this show a little bit. So I'll do a little bit now. Um, I do the most now, but I'm not feeling 100 here. But listen really briefly, because many of you've been tuning in, you don't know what the five smooth songs are, or how they came about. In 1988, I asked the father five questions, five questions. I asked the most high five questions that was really talking at my heart after attending a believers convention and hearing Kenna Copeland say, God has been ready to use the black man like never before. And the first is going to be last. And the last is going to be first. I heard him say that, and in, 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 uh, uh, actually, he said in 1987 I, everybody nearly t- tore off the convention center. It was so excited to hear that God is getting ready to use the black men like never before, the first is going to be last, and the last is going to be first. I mean, we all just rejoice, whites and blacks. Because it wasn't just kind of coping. a lot of people were saying that in 87, if you remember, it was a it was a word that was going forth all the time, all the time. God is getting ready to use the black man like never before, and the first is going to be last, the last is going to be first. And then, uh, between 87 and 88, I began to experience uh, racism like never before in churches I was familiar with racism outside of the church but I began to see racism in churches and one of the races that a lot of whites would say our white brothers and sisters one of the things they would do is they would say whenever they see a a so called black person I'm going to say so called white and so called black because y'all know we don't believe in that concept on this show I don't believe we don't acknowledge white and black as a people we're not people because we're black and white we may be black and white colored people, but we're not a people based on simply a color. So, anyway, anyway, I asked the father five questions after I experienced a lot of racism. Like I said, one of the things whites would do when you're qualified, when you're intelligent, and it's time for you to get that raise or that promotion, uh, they'll often say things like, God has got His word in you, and you're such a powerful brother, and you're such a this, and you're such a that. And one day God is going to use you, and one day God is going to raise you up, and one of these days you're going to lead us white people. One of these days you're going to tell us white people the truth. One of these days you're going to be this. One of these days you're going to you're going to do better than us. One of these days, one of these, it's, it's a delay. It's a I call it a, a, a gospel of delay. They'll begin to tell you, uh, not now. Yes, in the future, but not now. And I've learned it's just another form of racism. Not now is just the same as never, really. Because in their hearts, they don't want you to be in your proper place. So anyway, I, I, I at between 87 and 88, I begin to see a lot of this. And so when 1988 came around, the Believer's Convention came around in 1988, I was just pretty much done with Kenneth Copeland and these racists. I I, I, I felt like he was being racist anyway and saying, God is getting ready. And he probably wasn't, but I'm just saying this is how I felt. I just didn't rejoice when he said it again in 1988. So I asked the father five questions. Those five questions... Again, the answer to those five questions we call five smooth stones, the five topics that came out of the five questions we call five smooth stones. So anyway, not in any order, but I asked the father, I'm pretty sure the first one was, what is with you using the black man? What is with you using the black man? It just don't sound right. The father getting ready to use the black man, like now before, and the first is going to be last, and the last is going to be first. It just didn't sound right. God is getting ready to use the black man. It just ain't like if he's going to use the black man, it will not be c- because he's black. But nevertheless, that was the word that went for Sister forward. The only I'm coming coming for you if I lay this little foundation, because trust me, sister, I hope you got a lot in the tank, because I hope you're able to run it with this show tonight. But anyway, just laying this slow foundation and um, we'll come right at you. So, folks, listen. I begin to, again, uh, ask that question Father, what is with you using uh, the black man? People are saying this and it just don't sound right. It just don't sound right you know i say, what happens if a white man obey you what if i put white man seek you? you're gonna you're gonna bless the black man cause he's black it's just it's just not how my 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 father operated it's just not what he do he works by based on obedience and and, and 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 he don't look at no skin color which is an invention by mankind so i was asking the father what's with you using the black man Remember, I asked him that question, family and friends. I want all of you that listen to these shows, and some of you think I'm racist. Listen to the heart of this servant when I ask these initial five questions. What is with you using the black man? It sound racist. So, if white people seek you. You're not gonna use. You're gonna use the black man. If if white people are obedient in a particular area, and black and black people are not, you're gonna just use the black man. What if the black man and the white man is obedient? You're gonna still use just the black man. It just didn't sound right. Then I asked the father, what is really going on? What's going on? It's so much going on in our world. I hear there's such thing as a one world government.
2: New world order.
1: Wars playing as much as thirty forty well, excuse me, as much as thirty years in advance, some wars. What is going on? I heard there's some call, uh, 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 like I said, New World Order, a one-world government. I hear secret societies. What's a secret society? and Why do they have to exist? Father, I can't trust ABC. What is really going on? I can't trust NBC, CBS. I just feel like I don't really know what's going on in my own world. Father, what is truly going on? I felt like, you know, oftentimes Christians, so-called Christians are the last ones to know. Seem like they always to me. This is just me. Most of my life I've been so-called Christian, but I have to admit, when any time anything comes up, they're the last ones to really get it. It just seems like that. Except if you go back to the 50s and the 60s when they led everything. They led the, the uprising. They led the civil rights. Something has happened to the church, though, folks. So I said, what's going on? Another thing I asked the Father, I hope y'all, I want y'all to listen again? Folks, you tune into Five Smooth Song and Brother Seth to just land the foundation to this open forum. We don't have to stay on any particular topic. I'm just talking about how Five Smooth Song got started. I do it every so often, about every five or six shows. Um, also, I asked the Father, could I understand the book of Revelations? I said, I don't trust. These white males, a lot of them are racist. At the time, I think Kenneth Copeland, I mean, excuse me, Kenneth Hagan had made the statement that he, Kenneth Hagen Jr. had made the statement that he didn't believe his children should be engaged in race mixing. And Kenneth Hagan Sr., which is a pioneer back in the days, gentleman, we 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 definitely uh, respected. The role of a hundred books, he's the one that even influenced Kenneth Copeland the, at the convention I was at. So Kenneth Hagin is like top line as far as our mentor, our God, our Father, spiritual Father. So Kenneth Hagin could do no wrong, but yet this man said he didn't believe in race mixing. So I asked the Father, I understand the book of Revelation because I don't trust white males to teach me the scriptures anymore. This was back in nineteen. 19- Eighty-eight, Not because they're white, but because there's so much racism being practiced. So I want to understand the book of Revelations for myself. That's what I've asked the Father. Another thing I asked the Father was, is there any people in that Bible that look like me? Were there any people in the Bible that look like me? Father, I've been hearing that there's, so, there's blacks in the Bible. I've been hearing that there's people of color in the Bible. People who look like me. I don't care what color you are. I don't color. I don't care what color the uh, Israelites were. But I just want to know, Father, were there anybody in that Bible that looked like me? I will worship you no matter what. I just want to know. Just, just as a kid. Think of it as a kid crawling up on father's knee saying, is there anybody in the book that looked like me? It's just that they're simple, folks. I was just a child. And we really are still children in a sense, uh, even though we're tall bodies, developed bodies. We really should be, as Christ said, coming as children. So I asked them were there any blacks in the Bible? And then the last thing I asked him, I don't think it was in this order, folks, again, except that first question. I know I asked first, but I eventually asked the Father, could I see the world? Could I see the world? Could I travel the world and get different perspectives on everything, everything, who he is, who I am, what the Bible is, just everything, because I did not trust, again, white males and really the American education system, which is drowning in white supremacy. I didn't even know to say like that then. I didn't even know about white supremacy like I, like I know it now. I just knew to not trust, and I asked the Father, could I travel the world and get other perspectives? That was in
0: 1988.
1: That was in, to be very honest with you, August of 1988. Little would I know that I would soon get hired on with the airlines. didn't think that's how I would see the world, but I did get hired on with the airlines, and uh, I began to travel when I began to travel, it wasn't that I travel, everybody travel, but it was how I travel. It was who I met when I traveled. Folks, it was a flat out miracle. Some of the names, some of them are known figures, some of them are unknown figures, but what they would share. Not saying you have to leave this country to get information. That's not true. But for me. What happened to Brother Seth was I began to travel, and I began to really meet people that would say things. Um, And so the father began to answer the question. I can tell you really briefly, and I'm coming to you, Sister Eliana, again. uh, You're going to be running with this show, hopefully, tonight, because Brother Seth is not 100%. But I've got to lay this foundation as far as what is five smooth stones. Folks, the father's not using black people because they're black, the first question I ask He's using those that would declare what he is doing is in, in this end time. And it's in this end time, one of the things he is doing is revelating, revealing who is or who were his once chosen people and still are being chosen and used by him. He is revealing who those people were in the Bible. He have for a time it's been sealed for whatever reason. The people just walk around these verses and then see it. But for some reason, the Father's is putting his heart to reveal who Israelites are for such a time as this, that it may be fulfilled, that all prophecy might be fulfilled. The Messiah is not going to return to Israel, a remnant of them returned back to the land. That is your Bible. So, no, he's not interested in black because they're black. He's interested in black because they're going to, those black pastors are going to be the ones telling this truth. Now, white ministers are going to hate it, despise it, be jealous of it, most of them, and they will not teach who are the true people of the Bible, who are the true Israelites, who are the true Israelites in America. They're not going to teach these things, and that's what makes it a black movement. It's not because of the father just wanting to only deal with, dark-skinned people. It's just that dark-skinned people are going to continue to walk and tell the things that he is saying, and that's what's going to make it look like a black uh, movement by black leaders, when in, in reality it's what the Father is doing, that a lot of our white brothers and sisters, because of white supremacy, will not teach it. And that means a lot of black people That are walking in white supremacy. We had one on our show, and yes, I I respect Bishop. The Bishop, a lot of respect. I'm not gonna call his name out, but we had a Bishop on this show just swimming in white supremacy. You know, two different standards for whites and blacks, and he thinks he's teaching the gospel and all this stuff. But he was teaching some of the gospel, but he was mixing it with white supremacy. So a lot of our brothers and sisters. I mean, he's not a good man. He's not a good man, or another, not a good. Don't mean he ain't born again. I believe you can be, you can have white supremacy in your heart and be born again because it's a philosophy, and it's not just white people; it's anybody that believes a philosophy. That was another revelation I'll get to here in a second. But anyway, that's what that's the, the father's not using using blacks because of their skin. The second, and I'm making this really brief; these are all shows, to tell you the truth. This is what these 370 shows is about. What's going on? I gotta talk fast on this one because this is taking a whole hour. But what's going on is the father is, 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 is there's two kingdoms. There's this, the, the 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 kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. They're at each other's uh, throat. We don't have no power, really, to stand uh, unless you uh, committed to the, either one of these kingdoms. Outside these kingdoms, we're just little pawns in the game. These are powerful kingdoms going as the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of uh, the Most High. And when I say the Most High, I'm talking about the kingdom of Christ. He's He's running this kingdom. The Bible says all, all power is given to him, the Son, for a season. And then the son will be subdued under the father. So the kingdom of Christ and the kingdom of 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 of, of, of Satan is at each other at, at odds. And, and there are secret king there are secret societies that that know this that are part of this. They're promoting uh, 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 one side or the other. Secret societies are not just evil. Some of them are are good, trying to hide because they feel the Father's not released to the earth yet. Uh, but we go into that uh, it's in something called One World Government, New World Order on five smooth stones. So you can Google any of those old shows. Again, it's called One World Government, New World Order. All you got to type is five smooth stones, blog talk radio, and just New World Order. You'll get all of those shows. The Book of Revelations. Uh, when I asked, can I understand the Book of Revelation? Of course, you can understand the Book of Revelation. What the Father shared with me, and He began to do that by uh, revealing just that the Book of Revelations, uh, especially uh, Revelation 17, about the horde straddle the water, being America, Babylon being America. Yes, Babylon being America, and uh, how those scriptures come alive when you can see us as Babylon. Uh, no other nation fit that. You. Understanding the book Revelation, the third question I asked them. Again, so far I've mentioned the three, the, the five top, the five,
0: uh,
1: um, mentioned earlier the five questions. Now I'm going through the five answers. Again, um, blacks are not being used because of their skin. That was the first question. Why are you using blacks in the end time? And then the second, uh, what's going on? What is going on in our world? Uh, of course, these uh, new world order, world War government have those shows also five smooth stones talking about this 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 fake kingdom this phony kingdom trying to mimic the kingdom of the father but it's a excuse me sorry about that and then the book of revelation talks about us being uh America being the great whore and, and, and seals and bows we we talk about these things on that on again five smooth stones over the years you can google that also, another show you can Google. Another one of the five topics that come out of the uh, five questions is blacks in the Bible. We talk about that. We've been hitting that lately the most, um, but uh, we do hit the other other uh, topics as well. And that is um, us being Israelites. And then, of course, to travel the world, the father, of course, said yes. Uh, after 24 nations I've been to The Father has used various People like y'all Actually I've already done some shows on Just that as well and that is uh, It's called um, uh, Enlightenment On my travels and I've got a Part one and part two for international uh, Destinations a part one And part two for domestic Destinations so I've talked about These five smooth songs to death I mean to life I guess I should say So Again folks tonight we're talking about a, an open forum where we just open just just sharing just whatever uh the father wants to do tonight uh, through Sister Eliana or myself or even some of you callers will be getting involved with the show tonight. So let's go ahead and go all the way up to Merced, California and uh get our sister, uh sister Eliana Badiat. Uh, if I could make sure I covered everything. We talked about um Cause my little checklist here Okay, we definitely talked about um, How to pull up old shows uh, By the way, uh, brothers and sisters Please, text your friends Let them know five, four stones on the air Let them know that uh, You can just text them at this time Also, you can send that link I sent to you That would probably be the best way And just let them know uh, We're on the air, they can listen to it If you send the link to them They can listen even after the show is over Okay, but hopefully... Many of them will be able to call live So go ahead and and, at this time And just text your friends And let them know five So we've got an open forum To them what's happening tonight I really appreciate that And I think that's pretty much everything We've talked about following the show Definitely follow the show Okay, we also have a website I don't mention it much, much And uh because I don't get around to really checking it and maintaining it like I need to and I don't like put products out there that's unfinished, but it's www. Five Smooth Stones. Spell it out with all letters, five smooth stones dot webs, w e-b s dot Again, com. Go right there you can see a lot of the pictures I was just talking about with me all over the world. You can get to see a lot of the members so far. You can talk with the members, email them. Uh, just just help build this network we call five smooth Stones. Anyway, folks, let's go to the phone lines and bring on our sister, Eliana Badia, all the way in Mercy, California. Sister Eliana Badia, are you there?
3: Yes, shalom and, and good evening, everyone. This is Eliana, and I'm glad to be back on tonight and looking forward to any kind of questions or, you know, whatever topics that come up. I'm excited about being here, and, uh, and I do have a topic on my heart. Uh, actually, it's just something that I uh, observed a little bit earlier today, but I do want to say welcome, and I'll get into that in a little bit.
0: Well,
1: welcome sister. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's always good to hear your voice. I never take it lightly whenever you're on. I never take it lightly because I know you're a very busy lady and you could be doing so many other things with your time, but you choose to serve the Father in this fashion and I really, really, really respect you and uh, thank you for your time tonight. Well, whatever's on your heart, it can be definitely shared tonight, sister, because your brother is not doing that well. To be very honest with you, and so I'm uh, just hoping you uh, got a lot, lot of gas in that tank because I uh, probably won't go that long uh, in terms of um, because of um, energy, uh, and so forth. But listen, folks, again, you've been tuning to Five Souls on uh, uh, Five Souls Network on Brother Seth. And tonight is an open forum, an open forum, whatever is on your mind. I like to do these shows because a lot of a lot of you have questions at times. But we ain't going to beg you to raise your hand tonight. We're just going to keep rolling, rolling, rolling. If you have a question or a comment, go ahead and press 1. Please press 1. This show is for you tonight. But, again, we're just not going to keep talking about raising your hand. Y'all know the rules. Raise your hand when you have a question or a comment. Um. Sister Eliana, you know, we just, uh, many of us, uh observe Yom Kippur, you want to, uh, I don't know, again, folks, we're not just talking about no Hebrewism tonight, y'all want to talk about whatever is on your mind tonight is the night, I really mean that. My shows are always has this, this spiritual bit where we're always talking about uh the Israelites, or just something, you know, uh, related to the scriptures, but we don't have to always stay there. Just like a lot of the songs tonight, I may play a few secular songs, because, again, I want to reach out, and I want everybody to feel comfortable that call the show, and you don't have to be on no, any one topic. So, Eliana go ahead, I guess for start, you can just talk about whatever you had on your mind, and then we can just kind of go with that. Are you there?
3: Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I put it on mute. I'm so sorry. I thought I was taking it off mute, and I put myself on mute. Okay. Yeah, I did want to talk about something that was um, just recently happened to me, uh, and I just it kind of struck me because I was talking to someone, and it was her comment that actually brought this in my thoughts. So let me just let you know what's going on. So about um, a couple of hours ago, I had picked up all my grandkids from school, and I really wanted to have a treat with them by taking them to the public library. So I felt that that would be a great place for us to kind of sit down and need to really help them do their homework. They're really good at doing their homework independently, except for the kindergartner because he's learning the skill, and I usually work closely one-on-one with him and, and, and to help him navigate through all of his subjects. So – we headed out to the library, and uh, we got into the library, and I noticed that the whole library and staff was different. Now, of course, I live in Merced, California. I live in the central, what they call the Central Valley of California. It's where a lot of produce, especially almonds, uh, are uh, produced. We um, This county produces 97% of the world's almonds there's also cattle ranchers out here and there there are other crops that are grown in the central valley but if you drive down the 99 heading toward los angeles if you're in california you're going to see a lot of almond trees out here and because we uh, produce 97 percent of the world's almonds they're shipped all over the world so wow i didn't know that so farmers yeah
1: I'm sorry. No, no about... I was just saying I didn't know that. Keep going.
3: Yeah. So we got a lot of farmers out here. So the background of these farmers are they originally uh, Dutch. And if you know anything about the Dutch, they were also uh, the the people who went into South Africa, created the story that before they arrived, there was nothing there. There was a monkey king and. They came in and created civilization, and then the monkey king handed the, you know, civilization over to them. And they teach this in their schools. So the Dutch are pretty racist. And so we have a lot of uh, descend- Dutch descendants here in Merced, California, and in the Central Valley. And a lot of them are, you know, into agriculture. They're into farming and have a lot a lot of huge, huge land Um, there's this issue here in California about water. And so there's this fight also about the water because I believe that the water is coming down from the Yosemite uh, mountainous area, but it's being deferred and channeled to Los Angeles. And some of that water belongs here. And so there's this whole big fight that we continue to go through in Merced about water, water rights, um, the need for water, Uh, right here Um, so this is one of the the problems so with all that being said years ago say 40 years ago 50 years ago you would have found or even 60 years ago you would have found a lot of the um, workers the indigenous workers or the people doing the harvesting you would found a lot of black people in the fields out here Sixty years forward, you find a lot of Hispanics that have come up from Mexico, uh, Argentina, Guatemala, places, you know, you find a lot of Hispanics or Spanish-speaking people from a lot of the um, Latin American countries down south of us in in California. And they're here from different uh, countries in Mexico or different, you know, areas like Oaxaca, um, Magdalena, from... Jalisco, from Nayarit, from um, Mexico City, just and and all of these places carry their own particular language and dialect, and also culture and custom. So, whereas I speak Spanish pretty fluently, there are people that you know they they just there's just a difference in what the way they speak their Spanish. Excuse if I may. How many languages do you speak?
1: You said that once before. Uh, well, I
3: speak. I speak English, of course, my first native tongue. English, I speak French, which is my second native tongue that I learned as a child. I speak uh, Spanish. I also picked up some of that as a child, but I really, really, really put my feet to the fire to learn it as an adult. I also learned um, Hebrew and Mandarin. um, Wow. Maybe about five
2: languages.
3: I did try a little bit of Arabic and a little bit of um, um, Portuguese, but... Not, I really need to finish. I really need to be fluent in Arabic, to be on, to be honest, because um, my two granddaughters, their father is actually from Dubai, from the Middle East, and the whole entire side of that family um, have immigrated here, and they all speak Arabic, and I don't speak Arabic, and uh, but the girls kind of, you know, whenever they go to their father, they kind of take them to Arabic school. And it's not real consistent, so they don't really speak Arabic either. But they do understand a few key words. But it wow. really is a language I really should wow. learn, and I really should practice with them. And then my my last grandson, my youngest grandson, who lives with me, um, he, his father is Norwegian, and he does speak Norwegian. So, and he speaks it to my grandson, but he's five, and this baby is also able to speak. Um, spanish and he also understands french and norwegian and that, he's that's really
1: interesting i, I didn't want to get you off too far i just just happened to ask you that question but that's very impressive that you got those languages on your belt for sure
3: yes now my other grandson, i have four grandchildren by the way and the fourth one mother is from nicaragua and so they also speak spanish so i you know the spanish is real pretty pretty strong for us and it's also important in the central valley for us to speak spanish so that's kind of the language i'm focusing on with the kids although sometimes in the home we i speak to them in french because i've been speaking to them in french since they were you know born and so they do know the 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 french but we need to really be uh if we're going to be players in the game here in the central valley then we really need to speak spanish so i'm saying all that to say that you don't see too many African Americans or people of color or Hebrew people. In, as a matter of fact, you don't see any black people working hardly in any public area in in the Central Valley. And we're talking about cities like Merced. We're talking about Atwater, Modesto. We're talking about Chalchilla, We're talking about Madera. We're talking about Turlock, we're talking about Winton, um, Denair these are all cities along the 99 corridor going as far as uh, Fresno, probably very few in Fresno going as far down into Los Angeles and I really didn't pay too much attention to this at first but now looking around I'm realizing that to to actually see a black person working in a professional capacity in any store, like if you if you're on 99 and you say, oh, let's stop off at the grocery store on our way up to the Bay Area, and you pull off on any of these exits in any of these cities and go into a store or drive through or a gas station, you're not going to see anybody of color. You're not going to see any black people. And that's, that's um, really, really scary in one sense. And... Um, so today I was at the library, and it used to be uh, a couple of years ago. There was a, the librarian was black. Her name was Erica, and uh, their Sharon, and she's more of, of, of what we would call our Afrocentric, because she really um, she really holds to most of more of the the African culture. When we were trying to identify with our culture and our heritage, you know, she wraps her hair, she dips it. I think her she even has dreadlocks, but they're beautifully. She dips them in wax, and she styles it, you know, and she wears a lot of um, handmade jewelry, very professional. And and then there was another uh, woman who worked there, and she was more of like your modern-day African-American woman of understanding. So she wore braids, and uh, she was very um, into just knowing a lot, very knowledgeable. These are all professional librarians. And then uh, Erica the chief librarian she is more of a a natural woman she's probably biracial but she really understands the importance of holding on to the black side of her race because it's not represented well here and so she's a realist I would say she's a realist because she's down with understanding who she is no matter what other um, mixture she may have so that was our dynamic and the library was a place to be There were knowledgeable women of color there. There was help. It was really fun. So we had not been to the library in probably about six or eight months. But when we went in, I noticed that there was something very different about the library, and I noticed that there were different faces. And so at the end of the um, you know, library was closing around six, so I told the kids, let's get out of here, you know. And there was this mood and this spirit and this attitude that was unwelcoming. And so I started talking to Miss Sharon. I started telling her about you know um five smooth stones and listening, and she said, "You know, she said, "I'm really afraid because I don't see a lot of us anymore, and they're getting rid of us more and more and I said, "You know you're right." so I said, Why don't you you know I wrote down the information for her to call in and listen on Tuesday nights and she said "I said, "Well, where's Miss Erica?" And she said, "I really need to tell you about that." So I wrote down my personal phone number and I asked for hers, and I said, "You need to call me and let's talk." So I feel that she's probably at a stage where she probably really needs to know what's really going on, and she's really concerned as I am, because really, it's almost as if we are disappearing. I don't know I don't know if it is that uh, the blacks that were here are moving out. I know that there are blacks that live here, but they are commuting to the Bay Area where they can actually find work, or they're going down south where they can find work, but there is no work for black people in these cities where we may be living close to home. There are no jobs for us. So that is something that was on my heart I wanted to share tonight, because I, I maybe out in the audience, you're noticing, maybe some of the callers are noticing that there is a shift. Coming in their cities and around, you know, their towns, uh, where we are starting to become scarce as a people. Um, and then another thing out here, I noticed that over the airwaves they continue to play the old nineteen, you know, fifties, nineteen forties. Cowboy Western films out here. It's really really big. They play all of your like your um, Andy Griffith, your a whole all of that whole Mayberry. Um, and then the other thing is you have a lot of well, Hispanics here. You,
1: before, before you move on, let me can I ask you a question about what you just said, or make a comment about what you just said? Just just yes. Clarity, because again, we, even though it's open forum, we want to put out solutions and things to encourage and uplift our people for sure for sure tonight, like we always do. But uh, could it be that you're in Merced? Just like I live in Euless, I'm a, I'm right here, in Dallas, right down the street, Fort Worth is right. I technically live in Fort Worth to be honest, but they call it Euless slash Fort Worth. And where I'm at is probably I don't know seven percent black, so I don't see a lot. But all I gotta do is get in my car and drive to Dallas, and I see everything they see in Baltimore, New York, L.A. Just there it is. Could it be just the area that the reason why you why you feeling this uh, the shift? And and uh, I know how people are going through. You know, I know that. But I mean, as far as the numbers. Because,
0: well, remember, yeah,
1: african American in this is, country is increasing. There, and minorities, so-called minorities, the Hispanics, we are rising. Whites is the one that's diminishing.
3: Yes, they, uh, that's true. But you're right. It is the area. But here's the deal. My father was in the Air Force, and he um, he said that, okay, they live in Atwater, California, and Atwater has um, an air a base. And so my father's his whole desire, he said, in part of his military career when he came, because my father's originally from Dallas, Texas. But his when he came to the United States, I mean, sorry, when he came to California, his real goal was to be a part of, um, to live in Atwater or to be part of that Atwater um, air base. And so now, miracle of miracles, my parents actually live in the old senior, I mean, uh, the, um, not senior, but the whole office, the the old officer housing of Atwater, however, Atwater is not the same. Now, Atwater, I understand, was founded by black people. Atwater is a town that was started and founded by black people, and they were some very very prosperous um, people, very um, industrious. Uh, they were landowners. They were wealthy. But today, Atwater looks nothing. It it does not resemble its original uh, foundation. So it is the area, but then what I'm saying is there's a shift. Um, I lived in Oakland. I came from Oakland, California. Oakland, before I left about maybe nine, ten years ago, you know, Oakland still has a real large population of blacks, but I still have family members younger family members that lived in Oakland that live in Oakland still and grew up around certain streets and my niece put on Facebook she said it's a shame she said the very streets that I used to hang out and see all of my friends now are completely almost overtaken by whites and they're looking at me as if I have the problem and why am I still here and she is in her 20s this is a young you know she's young so the dynamics have shifted. Some of the places in what we call East Oakland and Deep East Oakland that you you know you you had to be very poor to live in those areas are now being taken over. They the, they are being purchased by uh, whites, and the and the um, the rent is through the roof. The housing prices are through the roof, and the 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 dynamics and the um, demographics of all. Are changing, so where it sounds are like the,
1: gentrification. Do you think it sounds like gentrification?
0: Yes, that's what it is. Absolutely. It's just old, so
1: old practice, old
3: racist practice.
1: Where are the people
3: going? Where are the people going? And that's what? Where are the black people going? Because they're not—they're moving out. But where are we going?
1: Well, I, sister Eliana, I believe that uh, it's happening everywhere. It's not just, uh, of course, you know this, but it's not just in Oakland. It's in Cincinnati. We experience it majorly, major shift. Those people living over the Rhine in uh, Cincinnati, I'm sure, is sick shaking here. Like I can't believe she's saying that. But if this is an old practice, been going on by my wife forever, uh, started way back with the whole redlining, you know, and so it's 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 oppression is, is what it is it's just moving different people around to, to empowering one people and taking the power away from another people It's oppression as you know and as I'm sure some of the listeners know and uh you're telling the truth this is exactly what's happening and um uh, this is why Brother Seth and Sister Eliana and various other guests have been on this show so many times asking the question, why? Because what you're describing, Sister Eliana, is so popular. It's just a part of the fabric now, gentrification. They've been doing it forever. They're doing it right now. Just You name a major city, and go into that major city, get the distant voice, get the activists, and they say, is this happening in their city? They'll say yes. Where? Baltimore. Right. Everywhere, everywhere, everywhere.
3: Right. Go They're ahead. You was going to say there.
1: something.
3: Callers would call in and talk about their experience in their town. Now, I know a 100 years ago, how they got us out is they actually came into our towns and they burnt people's homes and they shot them. They, you know, they got them out in the night while people were sleeping. They went in there shooting up the place and throwing torches and. Running the people out at gunpoint. It's not being done that way, quite. But then again, is it? You know, are are, are they are they are they taking us in concentration camps? I mean, well, this is a question we really need to talk about because they knew who, they know who we are and they know the power that we're going they, the, the power we have and that we're going to rise. But what is really going on? And that's what you know. We get some discussion on that. That would be wonderful tonight. To well,
1: well, yeah, and, and and like I said earlier, and I'm going to say it again, We, you know, for sure if we get some discussion. And uh, everybody know the Press 1, I keep saying every show, and we get a lot of repeat callers. So everybody, again, uh, we will want to keep encouraging you. Because it sounds like we're begging you. So just if you could press one, come on, let us know what you think. Uh, this is a show for you tonight. This is open forum. Sister Eliana going to do most of the show if she don't mind. I'm going to kind of sit back because I'm not 100%. But, uh, again, if you can press one and let us know exactly your experience, we really appreciate it. I I, I want to say this also, Sister Eliana, um, to those listening. This is why you've been on sharing in details who we are because people know this. They know what you're saying to be true. This is not a hard revelation tonight. They, re- they recognize it. I-, I think that there may be some newbies that say, what are y'all talking about? But yes, it's just called gentrification, folks. It's real. It's happening in every city. It's just a movement of wealth. It started with redlining where they uh, redlined certain areas of the city, and those cities, those areas that was around this red line, below this red line, above this red line, could not get loans. And then those that were outside of this red line could get loans, and they end up getting loans and fixing up their properties and selling those properties and making a nice little mint, moving out to the suburbs that they chose to, which most of them did. So many of them did, they call it white flight. Then they would go out to the suburbs, build them up, and they had a system to where, you know, they build up those areas based upon the taxes on those properties. So those properties was able to get the better schools, the better this, the better that, what they did with their taxes in a way. They created better schools, better this, better that, better that, better that. Uh, uh, just a little heaven, if you will, out of these suburbs. So now when you go into most cities, it's the struggling school system inside the inner city. You go to the suburbs, thriving school system, even though, and then they can't really get them on discrimination or uh, racism or segregation because a lot of us, so called black America, uh, move out with these people and integrate their cities. So they got a few, just enough little blacks in there, to where you can't really get them legally. But they did, uh, they did, they did outlaw redlining eventually. But at that time, America already had these suburbs, whites already thriving. So what Cecilia is saying is very, very, very true. It started with redlining. Now what they're doing is they, are you know. Uh, devaluing one uh, area, and then uh, the, the inner city, they'll allow it to go down, and when they go down so much, they'll move out the blacks when the property value is really low, and they'll move back from the suburbs, some of them, into these cities, areas that are really low, and they get these these these, these properties and um, at a very low cost. Uh, while the blacks are kicked out, and then they're able to profit again, moving into something really inexpensive, and uh, then we move out to where we can't hardly afford it. Uh, some, uh, I tell you, really, Cincinnati, where this was really a revelation. It's, it's every city, it really is, but Cincinnati. That that uh, can't even think of the that that uh, homes. Laura Homes, I think, is Laura Homes in Cincinnati. Uh, that was a the trip. There was like four thousand black people misplaced, and they just basically said, "Just go find your go find your place to live." I think they allowed only like uh, maybe a thousand or, or less to move back after they really jacked the prices and and uh, when they gutted out everything, got rid of those projects and and created something really nice. And then they allowed just enough for the whites. Likes to move back in there where nobody would say nothing, but in the meantime, about thirty five hundred black people misplaced. So uh, it's a sad thing what you're saying, sister. You really, really, for some people that meant they would probably end up homeless, uh, sister Eliana. A lot of people have some really sad testimonies behind what you're talking about right now, sister. Serious.
3: Yeah, and so the thing about it though is. Here, you know, we are coming to that place in our, you know, history as a nation in this country where we're going to be seeing a, a huge shift. So, you know, the, the concern is, I mean, I personally, I, my stomach turns when I see this going on. But oh, yeah. There's this, there's this attitude that you walk into a place. It's almost there's another similar um Topic uh, uh, that plays along with this, and it's the one about the hair care uh, hair industry, where you know the Koreans own uh, these large hair firms and are these these storefronts, and uh, we, you know, particularly black women, go in and purchase, you know, millions of dollars of of hair um, to put on their heads you know to beautify themselves to create these wonderful styles to have this look that we consider to be more professional or more acceptable but we spend millions and millions of dollars but yet the Koreans are very nasty they're rude they you know they don't have good customer service they follow you around the store they act like you're stealing they don't you know you you pay the money to them and they almost throw your change at you they don't never smile and so you know um that's another thing it's an, another problem that we are facing in our community is that same thing whatever we're patronizing they're taking money for sure But they're looking at us as if, you know, we're trash, but then if someone that is not, you know, a black person walks in, they're ready, oh, let me help you. Oh, yeah, I can help you right now, give you good service, yeah. You know, even with the nails, you know, we go in and we spend a lot of money, you know, um, millions of dollars getting our nails done, but we don't get the same service, and yet someone will come in and they only want a pedicure, which is just the nail cleaning and buffing, and that's less money, but if they're not black, They'll get preferential treatment as if they're spending thousands of dollars, and we may spend $150 a pop in that nail salon, whereas this person will come in and spend maybe $20. But it's the same thing. It's it's what goes on in our communities, and we we have the power to stop that. that Let me ask you something. To-
1: let me ask you something, Sister Eliana, because I try to again as a host. I try to think like what others, and I, and I really appreciate you tonight. You'll see. I want to let you lead out. I'm just going to interject here and there, if you don't mind, because I'm really not feeling that, that great. But I don't. I still believe in giving back, even when you're not feeling good. So listen. Let me just ask you something. Now, a lot of people say black people are still in these doors that's a fact if we had again these shows are not just designed for uh, our people but for all people and there are people that might listen to this show that's Korean and that own these some of these shows and it is true some of us are stealing but instead of them treating us individually and when they cause cause a lot of us don't like those people and we steal them because we don't like them some of us steal from them because we just can't afford it. We don't want to pay it. Maybe we don't like how they're coming to our neighborhood. Blah 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 blah. There's, but but no, there have been people that have been caught on camera stealing, for sure for sure. Let's go there. I don't want to act like we're just not. We just been lied on. We are being lied on because they lie. They treat us all like we're all stealing. That's the lie. We're not all stealing. There's some whites that probably coming in there and steal. And when we do get in there, we get up to the counter a lot of time. We're not happy to pay whatever they say. They see that in our eyes. And when we talk to them, a lot of us don't like them, and we give them attitude. Probably the white customer is a more pleasant customer. I'm just being real. But this is why the information that goes forth on this station is so vital. We are Israelites. We're going to be at the bottom if we're disobedient. That means you're going to get some of us in your stores. That means some of us may not have enough money. Maybe we can't really afford this hair. We're just getting it because we need the attention, but we really can't afford it. This is why it's so important, brothers and sisters. Can you all see now why it is so important that everybody know who we are? I think they would have a little bit more mercy. I think they would have more love for us and wouldn't judge all of us, put all of us in the same boat because all of us are not in there stealing, and not all white people is in there being honest. I think when they do find a black person that's probably stealing, they will have more mercy. they will understand what well, these people have at heart. don't don't bring this again in my store. I know what you did they would they won't be just they'll smile at us more. We're Israelites. These are God's chosen people. They may give us a discount. Not that that's why I bring this up, but they might say, you know what, I want to be blessed. I know that person is still, and I'm going to call them to the count. I'm going to charge them half that amount and just say I'm going to do this one time or something. Because the truth of the matter is, St. them. a lot of our people are oppressed, and they just don't give a damn no more. And, of course, they'll walk up into a store and take what's not theirs because they don't give a damn no more. It ain't that they're less than the animals or less than this or less than that. It's just that they don't give a damn no more. I'm tired. My people been oppressed. I ain't going to pay it even if I do have it. It's some people that have it and won't pay it. And not only in, in, in Korean stores, but it's where we steal in general because this is not our land. We feel it deep in our spirit, and we just don't care. The question for you listener is why are our white brothers and sisters stealing? That's the question. Why are they stealing? Why are the rich stealing? Why are the people that own corporations stealing from other corporations or stealing from the American people? Why are the big thieving? Oh yes, we steal. And I can understand why they probably don't like us, cause of what they perceive in the from the from what they get from the media, all this anti-us news. And then we come in they kind of have an attitude. And then when they, when they do finally find the thief, one of us, they believe the news for sure, ignoring all of us thousands that come in their store that's trying to speak to them. That do give them uh, constant business for years and years and years to come. So if you're Listen to the show tonight, and you run one of those little mom-and-pop stores, just know who you're dealing with. You might treat them a little bit different. Sister the I love your comments on that, please.
3: Okay, well, um, I got a little bit of a different take on it, because I, first of all, maybe maybe you have a few people stealing, but... We as a black people, you know, you have a lot of professional, professional black people. You have people that are working. They have MBAs. A lot of blacks have gone to black college. They have MBAs. I mean, we, I think we rank highest as the most, you know, a culture of people with, you know, masters of business degrees in probably all of the United States of America or probably in the world. You know, we go to black college. We get MBAs. We get you know, um, we even get doctorate, doctorates. We get PhDs. I mean, we are very professional. A lot of the people. Purchasing that hair are professional people, and um, then, you know a lot of us are business owners. That's another thing. A lot of us are s- small business owners, you know, and we go in there and we learn the ropes of business. I mean, we still carry our culture. We talk the way we talk. We we are who we are, but we're professional people as well. We're not all that little you know uh, poor person that can't afford hair. I mean, that hair we drop three four hundred dollars on shoes. I mean. It, it's like it's nothing. We drop three, four hundred dollars on hair, nails, makeup. We spend that kind of money. That's they know we're gonna spend that kind of money. You know, it's not that. See, the pro, one of the problems I really have in talking about our issues as a people is it's always that we're grouped as if we're just one conglomerate family with a lot of legs, but we're not, we don't have a mind, and we're not individuals, and we're not cultured, and we're not intelligent. And, and I hate to hear comments uh, anywhere on the Internet from that mindset and perspective is, is that, you know, we are, because of our oppression, somehow it's taken away our ability to be an intelligent, sentient thinking being, an individual, And we're still individuals, we are of a culture, we are of a nation, but we're individuals. And we are intelligent, we are smart, we are beautiful, we are, you know, we are, um, many of us are famous, we are very wealthy, and some of us are poor. But the, the, the fact of the matter is, as a nation of people, part of the same collective nation, there is that curse that was upon us, but many of us serve the most high we are we are spiritual we love the most high our lives are in order with him biblically speaking blessings do follow us and our children uh we rank high in athletics in sports in our, almost every field in engineering you know we are very intelligent people so when i'm talking about the, those Koreans don't care who you are When you go in to purchase hair, because I go in sometimes, I don't use any type of hair products. My hair is all natural. Whatever I do with it is what I do with it. But um, when I go in, I will purchase products for, say, my mom. I might want to do a braid or something in her hair. And and my mother is an older woman, so I'll get a little extra hair to, you know, give her a certain look. But I go in, and I always dress professional. I'm articulate. I talk well. I have money to spend. The little shop here in Merced is just about falling down in the cracks. And the woman that owns it is Korean, and the look on her face is the same. I always go, and I smile. She never smiles back. All she's ready to do, she's eyeing me with one eye, and she's ready to take my money in a heartbeat. She has no conversation for me. She's not friendly. So I don't even shop there anymore. I'll go across town to the generic hair salon, um, not salon, but hair product store. Um, I've got a membership there or whatever. And it's run by uh, Caucasians. I walk in there and I say, hey, how are you guys doing? Oh, hi. They know my name. Oh, Ellen, you're back. Yeah, well, what do we have for you today? They're... They're all over me because they recognize I'm going to spend some money. I may have wanted to spend 35 but by the time they get me out the door, they're going to get 150 out of me, and they know it. So they're really catering to me. Those Koreans have poor, poor business skills. They are not nice people most times. They have a complex that they are somehow superior and that we are inferior, and that's what I'm talking about. That's something we can change as a people. We don't have to patronize their shops. We don't have to give them our hard-earned money. We don't even have to do business with them. But a lot of times we don't realize that we don't have to do business with them if they may be the only shop in our town or they may be close to us. But you know what? Travel out. Find Find someone who respects you do business with people who want to do business with you. Because I can guarantee if you walk in with your small business service and you try to get them to buy, they'll tell you they won't buy from you, but they darn sure expect you to spend some money in their shop. And so what I'm suggesting is that as a people, as a Hebrew people on the rise, waking up and understanding why we've been oppressed. Why we've been oppressed is because of the Most High. Far too often as a people, we try to attack each other and play down our oppression as if it's cultural and it is just who we are. It's not. We're in a condition and we're about to come out. So we have to start shifting the way we think about ourselves, our nation, our Hebrew nation, and our ability, our buying power, our standing power. We need to understand and, and appreciate ourselves differently than we have been in the past because we didn't understand why it was so hard for us, but we know how to oppress each other and keep each other down on the strength of you're black like me or we can really rope each other in with the N-word and well, that makes it all right because you're just a nigga just like me. No, and we need to stop that. We need to stop all of that, and we need to do it That's like a quickness that is proper, it's not correct The Most High is not a part of it He's not for that He only was trying to get us to come to the point we're coming to We're beginning to wake up and recognize That the, the spiritual calling that we have is a high calling It's not a light calling It's a very high calling And as a people, we carry a torch The torch that we must carry it has been given to us to carry this torch. And the torch is for all nations to understand who the Most High is. And that's what we have well, to
1: understand. Uh, uh, Sister Elena, if I can jump in here. Um, well, actually, you just you kind of go ahead. I'm gonna let, go ahead. You can finish there because I think you was coming to a pause there. Go ahead.
3: Yes, yeah, so I was just saying, and actually I did come to the pause, but I just I, what I'd like to see is a lot- a lot more elevation on the airways on YouTube because as a people we're we're talking about where we talk to each other about where we've been, but we didn't know why, and so we kind of talk a little bit ignorantly to each other. We need to start understanding who we really are, and we need to elevate our language amongst each other and appreciate. Because we are a very distinct, diverse people. Within, even within our nation, we are so diverse and so creative. And you know, we—it's just a shame when we get together in a room. You know, because we prejudge each other by just on our skin. Really, we walk into a room, we look at hair and skin and features, and we feel like, well, I know that person, I oh, know that person, I know that person. And then when you start talking. To Hebrew peoples and find out that where they've been, they have traveled, they what they've done, and their interests—it blows your mind. So we have to stop approaching the conversation as if you're my brother JoJo and I really know you. And we start—we need to start saying, "Hi, I know we're connected, but tell me about yourself. Tell me about your experiences. Who are you? I need to know who you are." So I can better relate to who I am. You know, there's so many wonderful things that we need to discover about each other. These things will become our building blocks and our strength for one another. And and it's going to help us in our diaspora because, like I said, um, in our community alone, in our nation, in the United States, we have the building blocks of a complete uh, entire country. We have Hebrews in every Echelon of society, every career. I mean, we we can start a sanitation company. We can start a telecommunications company. We can start a presidency. I mean, everything we need to to be up and running as a fully fledged nation, and wow. we have the buying power amongst ourselves to do it. This uh,
1: is what well, I Sister think- Eliana. I want to ask you a question here. Uh, yes. Yeah. And, and, and it's this. I told you I live in a place where it's only like 7% blacks. And I come from Cincinnati where it's like 40% black. And where I lived in Cincinnati was uh, uh, 80% black. I know what it's like to hear sirens every, I'm going to say every 45 minutes, sirens. You know, it's like your gunshot tonight. And I lived in, I, I didn't live in my place, wasn't the hood, for sure. But I lived around some of us that don't know how to act. Also, there was city councilman that was my neighbor. The mayor even lived in the same area, believe it or not. So it had the poor and the well-to-do in the same neighborhood. It was a very strange neighborhood over the Rhine was. When I moved to Euless, everything stopped. And I could easily start acting like this is the state of black people. This is not. I have to remember Cincinnati. I have to remember New York. I have to remember Atlanta, Georgia. If this show was done in Atlanta, Georgia, and you said some of the things you just said, they'd be like, "That sister, she living in a in a dream. These these niggas are crazy here. They they robbed each They doing that, and they've been robbed, and their family have been shot." And they go in the stores and the root people, it's black people. And they can't come together. I had a friend that moved from Atlanta, Joe, he said he said he went there looking for black men and they broke his heart, he moved away. David Cash, he'd been on the show. A lot of our people are experiencing some serious, serious pain. I know you know this, but I just, I think what you're what you're saying is the answer, though. It's part of the answer. I do think we need to realize how great we are. Those degrees you mentioned, all of the records we're breaking, all of the personalities we have that make us unique, that the world want to be like us, they are humiliating us. Everything you said is true in terms of as far as when you talked about the things we are doing. But one thing people that are in the middle of these schools that are going through, they when they hear us and they hear that, they're turned off because they're saying, I'm going through hell, and it's my enemy look like black people. My enemy look like me. And they're going through it. They are stealing. There's people with warehouses. You go off in their house, it's like a warehouse of stuff they stole. It's not everybody. It's not even most black people. It's only just a, it's just only just a handful. But they are stealing. <laughs> then they buying stuff so a lot of us buy from people that steal. We can be in, we enfranchise them. There's a lot of craziness. And what I like to do when I'm talking to people is I like to let them know I know that. I know what y'all are doing. But I also know that whenever y'all do something, Sister Eliana, there is some people that master what you're trying to do. They're bigger thieves. Everybody is stealing. Not everybody, not every human being. But what I'm saying is stealing is a spirit. It, 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 a thief is it's like a spirit, and it it's not a color. Yes, blacks steal. Whites steal. When you have a thieving spirit and you're rich, you steal more. Trump is a thief. Bush was a thief.
0: Absolutely. People go and
1: steal. It, put people steal other people's cultures. So I'm not going to deny that that theft spirit is not a, around us. I just think it's more highlighted by the media. They exactly. put our, our face on TV. They make us the boogeyman. They make us the bad guy. And I know you know everything I'm saying. I'm not teaching you nothing. I'm just sharing because I know some others are listening, and I'm just trying to let them know we we ain't know we know what's happening for sure. So, yes, there is a thieving spirit among us. And there are some of us that go into all kinds of stores. Everybody in the back of the police car is not lied on. A lot of them people did do something. But we got to look at why. I'm not going to mention no names, but I had some relatives to get in trouble. My first question was why. They said, I have the money. I actually want to pay it. Why do you want to pay it? I don't like getting my money to them. I don't like them. We got people in prison. Lots of them, them million black men in prison. They from some, somebody relative. It have, it have, it have, it have, it have influenced our whole interaction. That million of us have been taken out of the environment. Not all of them are innocent. A lot of them are innocent. So I want people to understand when we do misbehave, why we misbehave. Sometimes it's just a spirit of death. It ain't no
4: reason. It's just
1: just straight up, we're not obey We're not obeying the Father. We're just out there, and, you know. But like you say, most of our people are doing the right thing. They work every day, mm. working 9 to 5. There are some of us that go and get the degrees, but that's such a small percentage compared to the numbers. I mean, uh, it's, you know, they say that the degree black woman is more degree than a black man, so we know about those statistics. But most of our people are not degree and they work every day, they mind their own business, they ain't in no jails, they, they are the working class, the backbone of America, that's what I think of when I think of 14 million people, not the little 1 million, I know 1 million is a lot, that's locked up, and not even the, I think it's, it's something like 2 million that's on paper, I'm talking about the bulk of black people, so... I just wanted to say that. No, people think, "Oh, we just la la land." Now we know exactly what we're doing, what what's going on. Challenging. That's why we're trying to wake our people up, get their mind to realize who they are, whose they are, so they could live a better life. Because uh, they're treating those of us that are the backbone that are doing the right things, like we're like we're the bad ones. They throwing us all in the same boat, and Brother Seth just wanna just. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not – I'm telling you I'm not, I'm not 100% tonight. I'm not getting it out like I feel it normally.
3: No, I I, I hear what you're saying, but I just want to – I just say because, you know, okay, if I've been black all my life, and I've been listening to black people comment on our community all my life, and what I rarely hear are positive comments about what we do as a black people. I hear all the negative, and all that you said, I understand. You know, I've lived in the, I've lived in Philadelphia. Pennsylvania. I know what it's like. I've been to New York, Chicago. I know what that's like, you know. So I understand that there is an element that does run in the grain of our people, especially in the inner cities. But in the South, it's a little different. Uh, The Southern blacks have a different take on things, like a lot of my family members that are in the South in Texas. They're a little different than the Eastern blacks that left the South, Left the South years ago for better pastures, came to the East Coast. Matter of fact, our flight was, uh, um, black flight was so strong that it actually crippled the Southern economy, especially the plantations, those old plantations, Mississippi, um, and all those areas like that, because we were able to leave the South and come up um, north. The East and be, be very, very successful. But what I what, what has happened in our community, which brings me to the next open forum topic. And again, if anybody wants to jump in, you know, feel free as it's open forum. I'm just sharing some things that are in my heart, things I think about and talk yes, about
1: tonight. Just press one, well. everybody. If you have any questions or comments, go right ahead, system.
3: So what brings which to into that other topic, is that when when blacks left wholly, you know, and by large margins, the South and came up to California and other places for better work, and we were welcomed because we were the labor force. We had we had you know we had the experience of picking cotton in the South. We came to California and we were able to be you know um, uh, able to get work in the fields because we had field work experience. You know, historically, since being brought to these shores, so yeah, we were we were an important part of the economy. Then we, you know, we also went to the East Coast where we learned other things. We learned how to, you know, get into um, maybe the newspaper business, um, you know, radio advertising, entertainment, in a large part. With some southern uh, places off the plantation, had you know, when we were able to be emancipated, there were some, you know, smaller pro uh, model cotton club type establishments where we were able to do entertainment. We were able to come together and drink, dance, you know, have entertainment, card games, things like that. We were able to do some things like that. And uh, we were able to transfer that to the East Coast and become a little bit more popular, a little bit more wealthy in it, and a little bit more established. Um, Maybe it wasn't the right thing. Maybe they weren't serving the most type. But what I'm saying as a people, we were able to kind of advance our a little bit more economically and do more things than someone whipping us and telling us the only kind of work we could do is go out and pick their field. So we were able to do things as a nation a little bit better. We were able to be a lot more independent. But what I've seen is that there's a systemic and it's been a planned um, recapturing of our people for economic purposes, recapturing our youth and our, especially our young men to incarcerate them and to bring them into prison. And that is what we're dealing with a lot of times in the inner city. Uh, we deal with the criminal justice system. And you put those two words together, it's an oxymoron, criminal and justice. And so they, most of these attorneys are usually um, Jewish or Italian. They uh. If you watch them, if you watch these attorneys, they dress very well. They're very wealthy. They're capitalizing off of crime, which they support not maybe directly, but there is a system in place to continually um, stigmatize our communities, to plant drugs in our communities, to pay uh, for drugs to be moved throughout our communities, for then a capture situation our most of our police uh forces and police departments are largely not people of color, but the ones that get in there you know because as you always say so eloquently, white supremacy does not belong to white people it is a it's human condition and it's an it's an um a learned behavior any amen, amen. can absorb the mindset. Of white supremacy it doesn't matter the package you are in your inner core being can become a white supremacist and your outer exterior can be of any nationality and you can walk in the same mind and spirit and embody the essence of a white supremacist and feel justified even Love the Most High, go to church, pay your tithes, be a part of the choir, and yet carry that spirit with you. So there is a whole system that's in place. Crime is a business. It is essential to the economy of the United States of America. They go in, and they perpetuate it, and they pump it up, and they... uh, stir it and they fuel it so that largely our youth, our young men and women are recaptured and brought back into slavery because in the um I believe it is it is it the fourteenth Amendment that says that slavery shall be abolished except except for imprisonment and incarceration. So in order to keep slavery alive legally, we have to have a criminal justice system in the United States, and we have to have criminals. And so this is why our inner cities are continually targeted, the schools don't receive the funding, there's a lot of oppression, there are lack of jobs, because they are, it's a a farm. They are growing criminals. They are manufacturing criminals. And they're using poverty and oppression, lack, lack of opportunity, lack of hope, lack of vision, lack of understanding.
1: Good, point. Good point.
3: The people in order to foster a prime herd of criminals that they can then go in and systematically take, oppress, imprison, incarcerate. Then put them into the system so that they can work for pennies on the dollar and make products that the larger corporations can then sell back to the larger consumer body at top dollar and make a mint. So this is what's happening. And our people, unfortunately, are caught up because drugs are in our community in a large percent. You know, before the 60s, they couldn't do this to us. And around the 60s, we were able to. Even we were poor, even we were very poor, but we were able to put out leaflets, pamphlets, marginalize, march, stand together, and be a force. We can barely do that today because so many people are smoking marijuana, they're lacing it. But, you know, it's not. It's not a. a um, if we could look back, if we had a time machine and we could. You know, as the people go back in time and see how they've systematically brought us to where we are, it would make us cry. Some of us feel that we are liberated because we can smoke that marijuana. We can grow the plants in our home and in our backyard, and we can, you know, drink that liquor and and do all that we do. But if we really understood how how they have bred us to be the people we are, the ones, of the, those of us, the larger portion of us that are not able to rise, that keep this system going, it would make us cry. It really would make us cry if we could really take a time machine and just look at what they've done to us and how we arrive from being a very strong, proud people with dignity to being the people that will hit their brother over the head, rob their sister, rape, kill for money, for drugs, for music. You know, it's always a conspiracy that is not even started by us that get us killing each other, uh raping, murdering for what we think is making Very us strong and more powerful. You know, the wrong values are, con- are continually being put in the hearts and the minds of our people. And some of us are not able to see it clearly. But a lot of times when a lot of our people get in- put in prison and they get out of that system, the system of the streets, and they go into the prison, a lot of times they begin to see clearly what was done to them and how our people arrived in the streets at that condition and it wasn't always so so we have to realize and remember it wasn't always so our great our grandfather's great grandfather's and great great grandparents didn't live like we live today they didn't live like those people in the streets uh those running the streets and those that were doing you know there was a big pimping thing that went around in our in our inner city communities among our, you know, African-American males, our black males. I don't think that that's as big today, even though there are still pimps and prostitutes. But it's not as big, I think in the 70s, you know, right after the, the we we marched for civil rights in the 60s, then, you know, this big pimping thing came. And then men were wearing all these, you know, fancy clothes and big hats and yellow canary suits and bright pink and blue and purple and pimping their women. That came right after civil rights, after being water hosed, after being um, you know, shot. Then the our emancipation, our our um exaltation was to then become pimps and prostitutes. We have to see how we've been played as a people. We've been played like you play an instrument. And always they are getting wealthier and always we are not. And what we have to do, what I'm suggesting is that we, those that are listening, you're in the inner city, you know what I'm saying is right. You can look and see. You can see better now. You can understand that they're playing us. They're playing us. They're introducing the drugs. They're bringing the problems into our community. And so what we have to stop doing is playing with them, and we have to stand firm. Now, they're not going to like that. They're not going to like that because they've been able to become very prosperous off of making us criminals.
1: Interesting, interesting.
3: We have to stand. And this is a time, this is a call to action. You know, the black Muslim movement in America with, with Farrakhan and all those, they were able to take guys off of drugs, out of the prisons, criminals, and turn them into men wearing suits, boat ties, selling, you know, pies and passing out. Of, of um, papers and so they and they teach them something and these men have changed they've been transformed by teaching not even by the holy spirit not even by the most high they have been transformed by in, uh, educating their mind and being put in a system of strong black leadership and education so it can happen in our community we just have to be willing To change. Now, I'm not suggesting anybody become a Muslim. If you are, you know, um, if you are and you're productive and you're doing everything, I would just say continue to seek the Father for all truth because the scripture says he will lead you into all truth. But I'm not telling you to change your religion at this point or to become but if you're productive and you see what's going on then you have a duty to help lift up your fellow man and we understand that this criminal justice system is the root it's it you know it's a systemic root that's running through the the inner cities of our community where we are largely populated in order to extract and still fulfill Deuteronomy 28 in many cases, taking our children from us, taking our sons and daughters. We're pining after them. We're longing for them. They're not coming home. This is still in operation largely in those communities where we lack understanding and where they're still able to get a foothold in on us as a people. So, That's what I'm saying. This is what's going on. I'd love some feedback on this topic from listeners. I would love to hear someone chime in and ask.
1: Right, and, and if I could just jump in and just say this, folks, uh, again, um, uh, uh, we would love some feedback, um, and I appreciate those of you that are in tonight uh, for this very important show. So, Eliana is doing a thing, if I can just jump in real quick, Sister so Eliana. But uh, as you hear, she's just doing her thing. I told you I wasn't feeling 100%, so I'm letting her kind of run with this. But yes, uh, as we've said now um, quite a few times uh, to press one. And join the conversation, folks. You listen to Five Smooth Stone uh, 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 on Blog Talk Radio. This is the Five Smooth Stone Network. I'm Brother Seth. You listen to Sister Eliana Batya. Also, Sister Eliana, if you don't mind, you you mind taking a little short a little break? I want to uh, take a little break and, and uh, get me some to drink among some other things, and then we can just pick right up again. Um, she's doing her thing and doing a good job. We've hidden all types of things. Y'all heard some, some serious problems aimed at our people uh, you've heard some also some solutions we've been talking about forever on these sh- shows uh, who we are as a people and why we are as a people and tonight we're just kind of going a little bit into some of the things we're doing and why we may be doing them uh, but sister you're okay with the break right now at this time
3: yes absolutely let's do let's go for okay. that break
1: Okay, let's take a little break, and when I when we come back, it'll be heard all the way to the end. I'll just be interjecting here and there, folks. All right? So, again, uh, those of you that have been following the show, I can't say it or not, please... Uh, excuse me, those who have been listening to the show since 2011, I'm uh, going to remind every single one to follow the show. Follow Five Smooth Stones. We're working hard trying to resurrect a, 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 a sleepy people, a people that's been blind for a season, and but now we are waking up, and I will say that this expression is probably the the biggest movement in, in this country, possibly the world. I think it's the world now. I think about it because Israelites all over the country, all over the world is waking up. Remember I told you I've been in 24 nations. I can't go into it now, but go ahead and uh, Google uh, Files on Blog Talk Radio, Enlightenment on my travels, and you're going to hear what I meant by that. It's, this is not a local thing, just the U.S. This is a global thing where people are waking up and asking themselves uh, uh, uh Are are, are declaring, rather, that they are indeed one of the lost tribes of Israel with Scripture proof. So we'll talk more about that and other things as we come back from this break, That's well-needed, again, your brother's struggling tonight, but we're doing our thing on this open forum. Remember, folks, we don't have to stay on any one topic. Y'all can just call in and press 1 as much and talk about whatever's on your heart, okay? We'll be right back.
5: Slave is in full effect. Okay? And you go to a slave or an African and you say right there, while he's picking the cotton, right there. Yo, man, what you think about this whole situation you're in right now? You're gonna get two types of people. You're gonna, you're gonna get three. You're gonna get one type of person say, What situation? I'm just picking cotton. Then you're gonna get another person that says, well, you know, it's kinda, you know, Charlie Master Charlie kinda hard on me, but he alright. Then you get this other person who's like, yo, what's your name? You got something called a MAP? <laughs> I'm
0: trying to get out of here.
5: These are the three people you're gonna meet on the plantation. In the 15 in the 150s, the three people you want to meet. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't care that I'm here and I'm trying to get the hell out of here. Come now, 2012. Ask a person in any job situation, this situation where they know you're going to be three types of people. One, why do you work for FedEx? What do you mean, why I work for FedEx? I got a job. Why do you work for FedEx? Well, you know, it is hard hours, man. It's long. I was driving this truck. It's crazy, but it's the best I can do right now, and I get a good check. Last person, why do you work as FedEx? I don't work here. I'm really a MC. I'm waiting for my opportunity to record my album. I'm only doing this right now so I can eat. Yo, really? My name is. I'm trying to get free.
0: I was in a chosen people. Bible in my hand, word inside my heart, and pain before my eyes. Broken people, wanting to believe in something, looking for a light, trying to find the truth.
4: But we give them doubt saying we do something we don't Hurting people saying we do things that we won't Wolf and she's closing with a cross in his Taking people money promising to be blessed
0: Power to the chosen people Who at one point wasn't viewed as an equal His own chosen people, royal priesthood yeah. Yeah, that you've been called out of the darkness Into the marvelous sun. Do you know who you are? people, now we are the people, do you know who you are? Would you let them call you those things if you knew you were a queen? And my brother, would you be out there risking your life for green paper if you knew you had it all already? If you knew you were a queen? Where the best I can offer is to tell you the truth Mercy changed everything for me and you But they don't really tell us what we do need to know The first Peter 2 and 6 of pleasure for sure From power to the chosen people Who went one for was you as an evil. His own chosen people A royal priesthood Hey, Isn't that you were hold Called out of down Into the modern times His own chosen people, royal priests.
1: Concoct. These white images is producing white supremacy. And I'm talking to those that are not African Americans right now, listen to the show, because we gotta remember this show the strongest for all people. If you're tuning in tonight and you're a believer you need to fund, and those of you listening to, to this show, you clicked on a link, you got to call the phone number. You're going to be dis, dis, disconnected again. Area code 914-205-5590. Area code 914-205-5590. But, folks, if you are listening to this show tonight and you're saying, what's in it for me? Or uh, how can this enhance my family? Well, I'm about to tell you. Invest in something the father is doing, and the Bible promises a blessing. I just gave you the scripture, Genesis 12 and 3, talks about those that bless Israel, I will bless. If you if you're funding an operation to where the voices like myself and Sister Eliana can speak more freely, some of us even retired uh, retired bloggers like Sister uh, Georgia. And others, uh, COFA, these people have retired, and they, all they do is just pump this truth out. If you're making that available by by your charitable donations to these organizations, you'll be blessed, not to mention if you go to your pastors and complain about these white images and tell them that they're promoting white supremacy and the oppression Of the true Israelites As long as we have these images up Teach your children the truth Tell them why we are misbehaving Why we are at the bottom Tell your children Your grandchildren are sitting on your knee Let them know who we are Otherwise The option The other option Is going to leave them white supremacists Because the dominating force is either God's word The Most High's word Yah's word The flip side, the other dominating culture outside of the kingdom is white supremacy. So if they don't know who we are, they're going to buy into the lie of what they heard throughout these institutions, religious institutions, education institutions, and that's going to make them white supremacists. No matter what color they are, this is what happens whenever they don't know the truth. So tell your children the truth. 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 truth. Again, we're royalty. Just like the song said, I'll play it again in the background. We're royalty, baby. We are the people of that book. We are 100% pure royalty. Who those
0: people?
1: We are those people, my goodness. Never thought the day would come that we would unravel one of the world's biggest
0: mysteries.
1: Who are those people in America? But we
0: give them
1: Again, you're listening to Five Smoothness on Network. I'm Brother Silver. Sister Eliana Badia, your line is open. All right. Sister Eliana, any thoughts? Go right ahead. Sister, you got a full mic. And again, okay, y'all press well, one way. if you have I'm any questions to... or comments.
3: Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. So uh, I'm so glad that you said it like that. Tell your children and your grandchildren because... Which brings me into the next open forum topic that that came to mind is that, um, you know, the other night I started talking to my grandchildren. They they didn't know, first of all, these are 10- and 11-year-olds and a 5-year-old. So we started talking. I said, who's, who's Colin Kaepernick? And my 11-year-old, you know, she's real, real smart. She goes, Colin Kaepernick, I don't know who that is. You better be talking about Jackie Robinson. And I said, (laughs) good. I said, that's great. You know our historical uh, ball player. I said, but you should know who Colin Kaepernick is because he's a really important person to know, and he's in your contemporary. You know, he's older than you, but he's a man that is is right now making history. So they didn't know who he was. And I said, well, you know, I said, do you guys know who Hitler is? Hitler? Who is that? They didn't know. So, oh, my goodness. Hold on a second. Okay, I'm so sorry. <laughs> My granddaughter is responding because I'm in
1: yeah, Carla, it. Ka- yeah, Carla Kaepernick for sure, for sure, is in the history books.
3: Yeah. So, um, as a matter of fact, Sarah, tell why don't you tell the people, who is, who is uh, Hitler? You're on leader line. of the Nazis? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Yeah, from a child's a mouth of a child. And how does she know that information? Is because two days ago, actually I sat my granddaughters down and my grandson, who's five, and I started talking to them about these really sensitive issues and, uh, and what we did to make things relevant. And I love the Internet. I was able to pull up clips, five, about five minutes. I introduced them to who Hitler was. I introduced them to who the Nazi, what the Nazi party was was at that time, and then I we talked about the term that we hear "Make America Great." So they all know who Donald Trump is. So I said, "Well, let's see how these um, these white supremacist organizations uh, are supporting them." And so they were like, "Well, what are those?" So I said, "Let's look at it." I said, "There's a couple that I'm gonna, I want to introduce you to." And I said, "One is the neo-Nazi." And they were like, well, what's that? I said, neo It means new and Nazi, of course. So we had already looked back into history. We saw Hitler. We saw the Nazi Party. So we then looked into the neo-Nazi, and we looked into the skinhead, and then, of course, the major booger bear that haunts America's history with us as a people, the KKK. And so I was able to play five-minute clips on each of these organizations talking about how, how they felt about America and about people of color, and so in the, so what we learned was the, um, the skinheads and the neo-Nazis hold to the swastika as their symbol, and they are, um, they are all the um, afterproducts of the old Nazi party. Each has a different focus, but it's the same hate goal. And uh I believe it was the neo Nazi clip that said white uh, America was built by white people for white people. And we wanna make America great again. And when my granddaughters uh-huh. heard that their eyes went up. Then we played the um the skinhead and so they realized that the skinhead group is a little different. The neo Nazis are a people who are kind of organized themselves around um of violence uh, they carry guns they they're like America's militia they believe that they uh, white is right and that um, might is in their gun might is in their prop their ability to own property and to hold that property and to hold off anybody of color they chiefly hate blacks but they do not like anybody of color they do not like Hispanics they do not like Asians they do not like people from India they do not like anyone who has melanin in their skin and cannot demonstrate that they have come from a purely white um, genetic background and so then the skinheads are a little different in that they believe and what I got out of the skinhead group video that we saw is these are not as well-organized whites. They are not. Um, they are more uh, whites who have come down, who, have, who are lower in society, maybe lower in education. They feel that their the problem is the reason why they don't see America having a strongly white face in, in say, government. And we know that uh, we have a lot of black politicians. We have a lot of uh, black people in Washington. We have a lot of black... Blacks in, um, like I said, that are in corporations. And so, you know, they see blacks uh, accelerating in the music industry, the sports industry. So the skinhead groups feel like they something has been taken away from them because blacks are accelerating and advancing. And you so got it.
5: That's right.
3: The fact that they're just white people and that 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 to be great is to be white, and if you're not white, you're not great. But there largely seem to be more people that are more uh, impoverished and are not doing well in society overall and probably would not be uh, accepted by some of the more affluent whites in America – they probably were be considered, you know, like we have a saying, or, or we understand, like the hillbilly. It seemed to me that the skinheads were more like a hillbilly organization that organized themselves around the fact that we are white. Yeah, yeah, very
4: we ignorant. The,
3: we got to the KKK, and the KKK, the clip that we happened to, to watch was a few years old, about six years old, And it was during the time right before Obama's uh, second election, and the gentleman on was saying that he felt that that blacks are a separate species and there should be no type of race mixing, and we are a white people, and America is a white country, and we're going to take it back. And the blacks and the Mexicans and the Chinese all need to just get up out of here and go back to where they came from. And then as he was being interviewed by a white reporter, a female, um, she said, well, what do you think about this second election? What if Obama becomes president again? He goes, we're going to see the greatest race war in America because they, meaning the blacks, are going to put all the whites in a concentration camp, and there's going to be blood in the streets. Now, we know that Obama became president, You know, there was no, no whites were gathered up and put in concentration camps, but we do know that more blacks were murdered, assaulted, killed unjustly in the United States, and cops got off, Uh, but there wasn't the violence, and so the KKK, and they don't hold to the swastika, they hold to the Confederate flag, so my grandkids were able to see the distinctions, hear it from the, the, you know, right straight from the the horse's mouth, how they felt, and how they felt about the people of color. And so, you know, there were some more personal things, because my my have a, a diversity of, of looks. I mean, uh, my grandson can pass. I mean, you know, you look at him. He is a white little boy. He has blonde hair. And uh, so he, he's five, and he, he identified. He said, well, you know, how do they feel about whites? And I said, well, you would probably be accepted. And uh, my my middle granddaughter said, Grandma, me and you wouldn't because she's real dark brown and I'm much, much darker. I'm real black. And uh my other granddaughter, my older one, you know, she could she can slide in and out. She doesn't uh she can slide in as a white person or as a as a uh, a a very tan white person or Hispanic or something but really she couldn't slide as black at all but my my other granddaughter definitely can and you know if you guys go to my facebook and eliana botya you can i have pictures of my grandkids you i'm not making this up you know this is true this is how the the the, the dynamics worked out in my in my little family but my grandkids were aware and they self identify with their culture and they self-identify with their um who they are. But uh, I'm going to take a pause. I need to take a real quick pause right now. So Seth, I'm going to let you comment on that if or anyone else for just Well, about, yeah, I'd uh, be glad to opinion. comment on that.
1: And uh I think I think you're doing good by educating your grandkids. I think it's good that you're able to um uh, Kinda of wake them up to what racism is, how it works, and you starting with the very root, because folks white supremacy is again a philosophy. people want to say it's a spirit and all of this, but it's a philosophy racism is has its root in teaching, no false teaching. How are you going to look being a racist if you don't know them what to believe? Try to be a racist. Try to imagine a racist that don't believe nothing. It don't exist. So this is when people say, oh, it's a spirit. I think a spirit tries to use people to teach it. A spirit tries to use people to promote it. I think a spirit, I'm doing real evil spirits, try to get people to um, buy into it. That's the truth. Uh, I do think a lot of these young people are being uh, moved by spirits to open up to certain friendships where people have this philosophy. So, yeah, there's a spirit of racism. But as far as the racism itself, the teachings itself, this is the motor. This is the no beliefs, no oppression. And again, white supremacy, we talk about white v white, white, white white, people. Let me just say something really briefly about whites in general. And I know I may have some white friends that know me, uh, listening to this very show right now, but let me explain white supremacy. Poor whites, uneducated whites like the Klan and a lot of these white supremacist groups, a lot of these are 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 what Some whites would say white trash They're the rejected part of whites A lot of got records and all this stuff Okay, They are ignorant of the real truth They're too arrogant to look deeper And they are just full of themselves Now they are white supremacists They believe the whites are superior Educated people Talk about whites now White educated people I don't believe in white supremacists I think they use it to promote this, that, or the other. They use, they tell the lies. A lot of the whites that we work with, some of them, will try to make like they got it better. Now, that's deception. They know better. They can't be a white supremacist because they know better. If you know better and you're still using it, that's a deceiver, a liar. I think a lot of white people, not all, a lot of them that are acting superior and pushing this is lying. They're deceiving people for whatever reason. They're liars. They're not white supremacists. White supremacist is someone that really believes in it. Here's who I think the bulk of people is really white supremacists. And I would love to see Eliana's take on this. I'll repeat it when she gets back. But I think a lot of black people are white supremacists along with these poor millions of whites that are white supremacists. The reason why I say it is because a lot of us black people believe these lies about white people because we don't dig. We don't know them in behind the scenes. We don't know that their homes really aren't that happy homes. We don't know that we actually believe a lot of the lies about Europe. So we see Europeans as superior. How can we not? If we only told one type of history, that's why we look at African Africa with such disdain. So we can't tolerate Africa because we've been we swallowed the lie about Africa history, African history. We know about the pyramids and all, that, and we'll say, "Oh, we built the pyramids." We'll do this. We'll put on a T-shirt and all that. But look at what I call when no um. That mirror mentality, that mirror self-esteem, the mirror self-esteem meaning: when you look in the mirror, what do you really believe? When you look at our people, what do you really, really believe? I mean, honest. If you, what do you really, 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 really believe about Africa? What do you really, really believe? Quit lying to yourself in public, saying about all this great stuff we did. Yeah, you can quote that because you have other people quoting that. But what do you really believe about Africans? Africa. If I say let's go to Zimbabwe versus let's go to Paris, what what what, what, what do you really believe about Africans? How do you think? Their worth ethic, their skills, what do you really believe? I submit to your family and friends tonight, it is darn near impossible that we believe in Africa. Because of our education. Unless you're one of those like to see Aliana, myself, or many other people that have been on the show, or a lot of you that have to the show that are really seeking, learning, seeking, seeking, seeking. If you don't replace white supremacy, it's still there. It's still there. You cannot want to talk about it. Oh, I don't want to deal with race. That's one of the worst statements you can make. Because you're going to deal with it. It's in every tiny aspect of life. It's in every crevice of your mind. Oh, not my mind. I don't think... uh, Okay. When you think in subconscious Consciously it's there You gotta look at people When you look at TV for instance When you go out on your job You're looking at people Unless you're in a cave Somewhere up in the mountain With no media Maybe you can escape it But if you gotta look at people And they're talking You gotta assess people One way or the other You gotta choose morals One way or the other We take our morals We take our priorities with us No matter what we do you can't escape white supremacy. The only way you can escape it is by replacing it with a higher standard. The highest standard, the only standard that can replace white supremacy, I believe, is the kingdom of the Most High. Now, some people say, What about a proud African? Well, I would say that would do it too. That would dethrone it. But it's going to only go so long. Because when we say Africa, we always talk about the past, the past, the past, the past. And somebody said, well, "What about today? Then you looking stupid? Because this is a season of a lot of our white brothers are ruling right now on this planet for the most part. So we talk about asking about the past, and then you 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 looking silly if you get in any type of healthy debate. Somebody said, "Well, what about today? Of course, we're doing great things today. We are everywhere, but African Americans are doing great things. So you have to tell those things." You just can't stick with just being a, 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 a talking about Kemet. So you got to include Kemet, you got to include what we do today, and you can give it a, a white supremacy a good run for its money. But the best way to dethrone it is with the kingdom. I think I said it better that latter time. The best way to dethrone the philosophy of white supremacy and the lies that comes with it regarding who we are as a people, who America is, who uh europeans europeans are the history the best dethroner the best antidote for white supremacy is the scriptures and the kingdom of the most high this is why i talk so much about who we are as a people who we are as a people who we are as a people because i think we're sick we are sick and like i said some of the biggest white supremacists are african Americans because we believe the ice is actually colder we believe a lot of these lies we're taught. And when we, like I say, again, when we don't want to talk about it, we don't want to deal, we don't want to, we want to move on past this conversation. Race continues to feed us. It continues to feed our subconscious. You can say, I don't want to talk about it all you want. If you turn on that TV, the producer that produced that show has white supremacy in their heart in most cases, even if they are African-American producers. So this is why brother Seth uh, for one of the stones, uh, one of the topics, remember I asked the five of those five questions. Well, one of the answers is the revelation of five small stones. I mean, excuse me, the revelation of white supremacy. Because I believe that's what we truly, truly are. I think we start off in America white supremacy, and then we have to unlearn it. Some of us get a chance to actually do that. But most of us, unfortunately, just become white supremacists. Some more passive than others and that is the uh-huh. truth. Sister Eliana, okay. I see you back.
3: Yes, and uh I'd like to comment on that too. And I think um my purpose for teaching my kids was not was for them to recognize what is going on in the world and the world they live in and what this statement mm-hmm. make America great what it means and of course you know like you said about white supremacy the problem is that this is all that's been taught in this country now I know that Japan is a very strong nation and there are a lot of blacks in Japan and and in China believe it or not there are a lot of of blacks in China and Japan so they're going to get a little different take on supremacy In those countries, because the Japanese actually believe that they are the most beautiful people on the face of the entire earth. I don't know a lot about Japanese culture, but they actually believe that they are the true descendants of the gods. And that they have the divine right to rule through inherited bloodline, that they actually descend from the fallen angels. That much I do know about their culture so when we're
1: talking- let me ask you this. Let, let me ask you this, and I want your feedback. I'm gonna keep listening. Who does Japanese? When they say the West, they often include it means Europe, the United States, and they even throw Japan in there sometimes. They're just an extension of white supremacy, Sister Eliana. And when you do business, that they're, they're real quiet about it.
3: They're tested to white supremacy. But go ahead. Well, they are, but you've got to remember, these were great nations with emperors before Europe got its foot. These were very great nations. They were humbled. Now, I personally know that in China, which also believes that their emperorship and rulership comes directly from the fallen angels. But if you actually know the true history of China, they come uh, from actually from Africans that traveled. To that part of the world. And no, I know, I,
1: know, I know about the indigenous history, the original. I'm talking about the way they are acting now, what they promote.
3: No, okay, so let's go back. I believe that, again, the Asian culture is very, very um, clever. Let's say the word clever. Because they were brought low by the European powers and the American powers, I believe they're biding time before they, t- they feel that they can rise again as a superior world culture. And so they are good at playing pigeon. They are very good at pretending that they are in support. If it is what will get them ahead, they will do it. They have no problem with that as a culture, but in their core beliefs, they do believe that they are the most beautiful culture that was ever put on the earth and that they are a superior people and very intelligent. But they feel that right now the European uh, model has gained a large foothold and they will go where they feel the money is and where the, um, import, the seat of power, let's put it like that. They are a dragon culture Both uh, Japan Japan and China are dragon cultures, so they are children of the serpent in the sense of who is their father really. And so they will, you know, they will do, I feel that their culture, they will do whatever it takes to be, um, you know, where they feel that the seat of power is at the moment. But I do believe they have their own agenda and that the world will see it soon enough. So, Saying that because we are here in oppression in the United States and we're looking at this one thing but we have to remember that our people are everywhere as the scripture says and so they are under other powers that are exalting themselves over the Hebrew and so what might be true directly for us here in the States may not be true directly for, the, for our brothers and sisters in captivity in those other countries because each of these nations have an agenda and each of these nations have been players in uh, part of the chastisement of our people as a cultural, as a history, a historical, I'm sorry, historically uh, as a nation, but all are operating under the express direction and authority of the most high. But we do know that that day is going to come to an end. It's going to come to an end. So that's what, you know, what I would say. So we have to understand, you know, in America, Amen the whole to that. thing is about the history of Europe, but not in every culture. And then we have also our people are enslaved also in the Middle East under those powers, and that is a totally separate uh, and different and distinct set of supremacy uh, ideas and um, that's the family. Yes.
1: Let me say this, okay, because again, you're going to run this final leg. But let me say this Chinese are breaking their neck to get to the U.S., Japanese are breaking their neck to get to the U.S., and Chinatown, and where, yes, they are Chinese, This Chinese that. But you, know, you never notice, look at how they treat us. And look at the names they call us. They're just quiet. They got more class than white people to me. Not all whites, of course, but I'm saying.
0: China, Chinese,
1: if you go where they're, they're a lot of really populated, you should know that within the Oakland area and all that. L.A., that's where they're going to be at because they got more on their west coast than the east coast. Everybody talk about the oppression by them. Oh, Japanese yeah. is here. Yeah, yeah. They're white supremacists. They may not say it, but they just, why don't they call it something else? Why don't they say, I'll because they, it's the same thing, niggas. They just have more no class to say it. So well, they buy into think? the whole lot of Africa as well. Chinese in Africa trying to take it right now. They're doing every single thing white people do.
3: Again, we understand that all of these oppressors, the Most High has allowed to oppress us, and they're all going to oppress us in the way that makes them most profitable, and that is through our exploitation, dehumanizing us and degrading us in their sight in order to milk out the most substance From our being and from our land and from our culture, that they can get in order to enrich themselves. So, yes, it's going to look like it, but what I'm trying to say is that it's all not white supremacy, it's not all just white supremacy in the sense that we understand it here in the United States, or how those, like we talked about, the skinhead, the Nazi, and the neo Nazi feel about America being for white people. What's happening is that these people are, we uh, they're all being, the Most High has given them a platform for now to do what they have done. All of them are under the influence of Satan, and they are moving against the Hebrew because the Hebrew carries the mantle, the authority, and the Ruach, and the... Um, the mandate of the Most High. So the real issue is that Satan has exalted himself upon the earth, and he has nations that are under his direct authority. And the Most High chose Israel, but we weren't mature enough to understand the battle, the real fight that we were up against, and the reason why it was imperative that we stand on Torah principles, that we stand on the commandments of the Most High, and we hold our ground. So we didn't understand the the real importance of that. But after we come out of these lands of our captivity, we are really going to understand because we're in the underbelly of these nations and we see what their real agenda is. And it is not to serve the most high. So we are getting, not only were we being chastised, but we have actually been under a different schoolmaster by the Most High for us to get an education, a learning, and an understanding so that we can be truly walking in our rightful place and calling upon the earth, because all of these nations are destined to come and bow the knee and serve the Most High. That's their destiny. And they have been influenced by the serpent, by the dragon. So, and so was Israel. But now we were punished because we are not like the nations, not just in color, not in hair. We are not like the nations. We are a peculiar people. We are a special creation of the Most High to do what we have been called to do. So that's what I'm saying. So we have to take it higher than where we're, you know, looking at it from our perspective here in the United States. We're looking at this from a global, from a spiritual, and from a historical standpoint of what Father is trying to accomplish on the earth, what our adversary is trying to accomplish, and the nations that he's used, and also the Most High used, those same nations, to be our schoolmasters and to be that rod of correction for Israel.
1: Well, I think I agree everything you just said. I, I I hope I thought that's what I was saying, but maybe I was putting too much emphasis on white supremacy. I know in this country it is the dominating power, and when other oppressors, as you say, those call and I do agree with that, have been saying that as well. Those other nations that that oppress us, because remember we're scattered the four corners, and. Uh, the oppression is in every nation, every nation that the Father has driven Israel, and not all of them are white. Some of them have their spirit upon them, and they're Indian, for instance. They don't have whites who rule in them, and they oppress the uh, the uh, untouchables like there's no tomorrow, and they're all Indian. And that's the billion people. So I do agree with you with you, the way you put that, and I hope that everybody understood me to say the same thing. White supremacy in this country is the dominating oppressive mindset, Outside of this country, it's all over the world, really. It really is, but I can't say it's stronger. It's tr- it's also strong like it is in America and Japan. I can't say that. I can't say it's like that in China. I just know that China works with them. They're in cahoots with them. I don't know that they are buy into white supremacy and all of that. And they believe they don't have no history and they think like we think. I don't think that. I think we think like that because we, we, we are we we're beaten down. But I think they know who they are in terms of Chinese. Japanese, all these other people, I think they're intact as who they are. But in this country, we as a people, and wherever Israel is at, if there's Israelites in China, they're probably buying into whatever to keep them at the bottom. They can't can't believe they're Israel, else they would rise and they wouldn't be oppressed. So they have to buy into some lie. They have to, as they won't be slaves. So I think you said it a little better, but go right ahead. I'm listening.
3: Yes, and I wanted to say, I wanted to know if there were do we um um I had talked to Kaviva a little bit in my um little breaking time. I'm not sure if she was able to join us. Um if she was able to join us. But if she was so just she now could a bring hand from.
1: just now went up when you when you said that, so I see a hand now because I do watch uh-huh. the boards and if a hand comes up, we'll bring you right on. But a hand just now, not even two seconds ago, went up. Okay, so let's go back to the phone lines to Erico seven. 7- Zero seven nine eight zero. Who am I speaking with? Let us know your name and your city, please. Yes,
2: this is Sister
1: Kaviva. I'm from Vallejo, California. Hello, Sister Kaviva. Good to hear your voice all the way up in Vallejo, California. How are you doing tonight, Sister? I'm doing wonderful.
0: Well, hopefully
1: you are enjoying this open forum, which is kind of hidden uh, uh, solutions, uh, issues with our people, challenges with our people. Again, it's open forum. What's on your mind?
2: No, I know that I spoke with uh, Sister Eliana, uh, my sister, and she wanted me to come on the line, so I'm letting her know that I am here. Well, all right i mean i I've, I've been listening to the conversation about white supremacists and the mindset of white supremacists and it, it's a lot it's a lot to, you know to uh really to comment on, but I think it it has its place but i I do agree with uh sister eliana and, and and what she's saying about how we are to focus and how we should be focusing on it. You know, uh, and um, I believe that the white supremacist forum or the thing that they use to oppress us with, uh, that whole mindset, uh, we know that it's changing. The power that they have or had is dwindling. Yes, and it with is. That, Yeah, so they don't, it's not as... Uh, uh, It may look that it's still strong, but it's really dwindling. And that's what their fear really is. And so, uh, with that being said, that's why they're trying to engender fear in us by trying to kill us and trying, you know, uh, uh, to make us believe that things are not going to change or we are not going to get off from under their hands, their grip that they have on us. So, but uh, they can't stop it, because it's not them, us doing it, uh, it's the Most High doing it, and so with that, it's a sovereign move of the Most High God, and there's nothing they can do about it, no matter, uh, so that frightens them, you see, because they know that they should be um, punished for what they have done and what they continue to do, and they are afraid if we do rise up, will we punish them? But the Most High has already said that he's going to deal with them. So it's not us that's going to punish them. They will be punished for what they have done to us. Because when, if you remember when we were reading, I think it was chapter 30 in verse 6 in Deuteronomy, he said that he would turn, uh, when we t- when we get right with the Father, He will turn all of what they have done to us back upon them. So they're they're going to be punished for it, but it's not going to come from us. You see?
1: It's true. Very true. Very, 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 very true. And I just think when I comment on white ship, just let everybody know, I mean that's what it's been. That's the germ. That's what we. That's the tag we put on it. Whenever you look at Africa, you have a bad feeling, and you have, you look down at it, and you look down at Africans. Uh, the reason Africans don't like us, you know, uh, we don't like them because we program a lot of us. Now we're, we're coming out of it. You're coming out of it, Sister Kaviva. You out of it? I should, I can say that. I think. By, I think I can say this is the Eliana. We we're, we we're, 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 we are studied. We've been studying for years. But make no qualms about it folks, that's what what it was we have come after and up under. The philosophy, the teaching of white supremacists that we're niggers. And all you gotta do is go outside your door and just listen, turn on all the music and listen. You go ahead and somebody call somebody a nigger. What it, what is that? What do you call that? It's 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 used too oh, oh one more thing. It's used too often The kind of behavior we have as a people right now, and I know we're speaking by faith where we're going, we're talking about who we are, we're talking about the end result, we're living there, we're parking there, and we're going to preach that. That's what this show does all the time. But make no qualms about what we're hearing in the meantime, what we're trying to destroy. What is it, if we can put a name on it? Why would you call a brother a, a nigger? Why would you say Africans is ugly? Why would you say we... That's white supremacy. So that's all Brother Seth is saying. That's all Brother Seth is saying. I'm not saying we should stay there. I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about... Again, we've done 370 shows talking about who we are, whose we are, how they going to win, the world government, they're going to lose, they're going to lose, we going to win. So... I want people to understand I want, I want people to understand what Brother Stephanie when he said the term white supremacy, it's the philosophy that's got us in bondage, although we are coming out. Go ahead, sister Kaviva.
3: Okay, I was saying this sister on. I wanted to say one of the reasons why the nations are now using the term nigger is because of our um we use the term. Yes right uh, we gave the, them that power because the only people who were calling us niggers and knew that between us and them were the original oppressors from the South who couldn't say Niger, Negro, or anything. They, their English is really bad. The southern uh-huh. white said, they, you know, them, Liz, catch us a nigger. They They don't know how to talk. We heard the term so much that when we started to be in our own community, when we got angry with each other, we called each other that word. And then it was a thing of hurt between us and us. Before, it was a humiliation between us and them, or them and us. Then it became a part of hurt, or I'm going to put you down between us and us. Then in our, you know, the, our younger generations, are they're not so young now, they're all in their 50s and 60s, but when that group uh, out of the 60s, it became a term of endearment, especially later in, you know, to the some of the younger generations, a term of endearment. Oh, what's up, my nigga, this, that, oh, yeah, y'all doing all those, my boys, my niggas. That became a term that we did amongst each other as, a term of endearment and still keeping a negative word among us but then when our rappers especially our underground rappers got out and began to just blow up all over the place they were using the term and people listening to the music and feeling the grooves and feeling the vibes begin to learn that that's how we talk to each other and as a matter of fact here in merced i mean it's almost so many it's it's almost 100% Hispanics, and they call each other, they talk, and they use the term for themselves. you know. And I and I have to really look around to not be offended when I hear them. They're talking to each other. They all stand up and go fight over it. Oh, what's up, nigga? You're going to punk me? And it's like they sound – I hate to say that we sound like that, but we do sound like that. They got it from us. They got it from the, our music. They got it from living among us. It got it from our black males dating their females and and coming into close association. Family members procreating, having children, which the Hispanics, the root of them are, you know, up from those African ships as well. So they're going, it's going, reaching back into the root and bringing that forward in the young generation. And we're talking about young people, high school students and junior high. And elementary kids, you know, are saying this in the in this Hispanic communities, and it's very natural. They're saying it just as natural as we say it to each other. They're saying it to themselves. But I wanted to get back to the term of um, for, for supremacy and and, um, and with the Chinese particularly because I wanted to read Psalms eighty three, and it says in here I'm reading out of the Living Bible just for translation purposes for the the English, and it says, Oh God, don't sit idly by silent and inactive when we pray, deliver us, answer us. Don't you hear the tumult and commotion of your enemies? Now, they're praying about the enemies of the Most High, which are the enemies of Israel, which are the enemies of the Hebrew. Don't you see what they are doing, these proud men who hate the Most High? They are full of craftiness and plot against your people. Laying plans to slay your precious ones Come, they say And let us wipe out Israel as a nation Not the Ashkenazis that are over in the land today I'm just saying this for the listeners And for the archive listeners Not the people over there today That are wearing the zit And the sideburns and the black hats And dressing like the Russian czars of old Not those people Israel, the Hebrew, the black people. Um, he says, let us, let us wipe out Israel as a nation. We will destroy the very memory of her existence. That's what they're trying to do. That's why they don't really talk about slavery anymore. They, they act like it never existed. But if you talk about the Holocaust, oh, my gosh, you can get, you know, a quarter of a million dollars, $3 million in, in about 15 minutes if you mention Holocaust. But if you mention slavery, nobody wants to talk about it. This was their unanimous decision. So it's talking about not just one nation but a conglomerate of nations, and they're going to describe the nations. At their summit conference, now you know that after Hitler fled you know Europe and afterwards they believed that in Argentina there was a conference, there was a summit meeting of many nations coming together. And they said that they wanted to wipe Israel off the mat. Now, this psalm was written way before Hitler came to power in the 40s. But it records a conversation of a group of nations that have conspired together in the latter days. And this conference actually took place in Argentina probably um, sometime after 48 or in the 50s, I believe. Um, they signed a treaty to ally themselves against Almighty Yah. These Ishmaelites and Edomites and Moabites and Hagrites, people from the lands of Gabal, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia, and Tyre, Assyria has joined them too and is allied with the descendants of Lot. And we understand that the descendants of Lot are the Chinese people, the Asian people groups. They are the descendants of Lot. Do to <clears throat> them as once you did to Medean or as you did to Sisera and Jabin at the river Kishon, and as you did to your enemies in at Endor. Those, oh, oh I'm sorry, whose decaying corp- corpses fertilize the soil. Make their mighty nobles die as Orb did and Zeb. Let all their princes die like Zeba and Zalmuna, who said, "Let us seize for our own use these pasture lands of the Most High." Oh my Yah, blow them away like dust, like chief. I'm sorry, like shaft before the wind, as a forest fire that roars across a mountain. Chase them with your fury, your fiery storms, tempests, and tornadoes. Tornadoes, are we we seeing um, natural disasters? Utterly disgrace them until they recognize your power and your name, almost. uh, Make them failures in everything they do and let them be ashamed and terrified until. They learned that you alone, Yahuwah, are the Yah above all Yahs in supreme charge of all the earth. So they are destined to come up at, into Jerusalem and to worship the Most High, but they have to be punished because they have conspired together to destroy and wipe out the name of the Hebrew people. Any comments? Sister
1: Kaviva, does that answer your question, or did you have any more on any... any, uh, Were you done with your uh, Sister Eliana and and what she just presented? Did that answer your question, or did you have any other comments, or what?
2: Well, you know, I didn't have a question, but I think that I I do understand the Scripture, and uh, I do understand the Asian people are... The Mongoloids, which that's where the Asian tribe came out of in China and various groups, uh, uh, Mongolian people. So I do understand all of that. I didn't have a question. I do, uh, I and, and I like you know the scripture that she read because it just kind of brings clarity to uh, those who need to have the clarity. of as to what's happening and why all of these things are—it's not just one nation, but it's a group of people that have come together against the Most High, um, chosen ones. And so we understand that. And so, as a as a as a people, we need to—you know—one of the things I always use is a scripture, and a lot of people. Uh, kind of think Oh that's not what I'm doing But what did the scripture says The scripture says Hate not thy oppressor And choose none of his ways mm. And always saying that We have a tendency to hate the oppressor And we have chosen All of his ways And we need to mm mm-hmm. It is true, and it's time for us to. And I think this is why Yeshua came and said, "You've heard it say, you know, you know, for us to love, you know, thy neighbor." But I give you a, this is what I give you today: that you love your enemy. You see. Because he was helping us with our mindset, because it's easy to hate the oppressor, the person who's doing uh, the, the harm to you or what is wrong toward you. Uh, and and yet, you know, when we came out of slavery, the fur, many of us were saying, I want what the white man had. So, and they began to go, at, we began to go after it. And so we want all the trimmings, all the, all of what they have, because we felt that what they had was the better part, not knowing Absolutely. that we had the better part, because we didn't Absolutely. recognize who we were, we didn't understand who we were. So. And-
1: and if I may, yeah. uh, Sister Kaviva, if I may jump in here really quick, because i got to wrap up this show, and I appreciate you uh, calling and making a comment and bringing, like you always do, some angle that Sister Eliana or myself didn't quite come from. I appreciate that. That was very, and actually, you agree with Sister Eliana, so y'all kind of both. But listen, uh, 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 again, folks, again, folks, you've been listening to Fire Smooth Stone Network. I'm Brother Seth, Sister Eliana about I was on the line, along with uh, the caller, Sister Kaviva. Um, and, folks, we're going to wrap up this show, but I just want us to do a little open forum. We don't have to stick quite to us being Israelites or us, uh, just some of the topics we've talked about uh, a lot in the past. I want to do something a little different. I think we did. We kind of talked a little bit about the problem. Hopefully nobody interpreted it. In any way, me saying we need to dwell on the problem or anything like that, y'all should understand clearly what I was saying, and I think everybody did. Um, Sister Kaviva was very clear in her question. Sister Eliana, you did a very good job, as usual, um, in your presentation tonight, but we got to wrap up the show. Sister Kaviva, will not you go ahead and have the last words briefly in like a minute, and Sister Eliana,
2: you know more than my two so we can get out of here, please. Sister Kaviva? Yes, I'm here. You know, I just think that you know as a, as the as the people of the most high it's it's time for us to uh, sober up and come into an understanding that this is who we are as we come into the understanding of this is who we are, but I believe that it's going to require a sobering because we have we are convinced, and it's hard to um, believe that because we've been told so uh, a lot of negative words about who we are as a people, that it's hard to see us being that loved individual, that, uh, that, uh, a people that got really, really loved. And that He has watched over even through the harshest times of our lives, and brought us through all of that. And He's coming to deliver us uh, into a very great, wealthy place. And so I believe that we just need to be encouraged in this, with in this season, and just stay focused uh, and 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 keep our minds stayed up on Him. As He lead us, so that we um, can get what we need in this season, so we can move with Him in synchronization, so that we don't move ahead of the Ark of the Covenant, but we will be in step with his, with the Ark. And so that's those are my words that I would give, as in words of encouragement. This is a good time and a good season, and that's how I'll we'll leave it with you, uh, set there.
1: Well, Sister Gaviva, that was very good, very solid. Uh, and remember, um, <laughs> we're giving out, I guarantee you, this 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 open form will probably be viewed hundreds of times within the next year. And uh, a lot of people will be blessed by what you just said in your previous comments as well, Sister Eliana. Uh, sister Gaviva, go ahead and put your line on hold. Thanks again for hear, hearing from you all the way in Vallejo, California. I really appreciate you, Sister. And that was Sister Kaviva all the way in Vallejo, California. And hopefully, y'all listen to what people are saying. You know, Uh, Sister Sister Kaviva is very low key. She kind of, but that was very powerful, both times she uttered. And I hope I'm saying the same thing she's saying. I think I am. Sister Eliana, any last words here? You got a couple minutes,
3: please. Yeah, I'd just like to say. you know, it's always a pleasure to be on and to share. I know that this, um, this teaching and just the open forums and, and any of the sh- uh, shows, planned shows, are having a tremendous impact in our community, and many people are learning, they're waking up, and they're growing. What I would encourage everyone to do is continue your study, continue to be in the presence of the Most High through prayer, through reading the scripture, through fasting as as he leads you, through really calling out the name of the Father and seeking his face for more answers and for more truth. And I want to say to everybody, good night and shalom.
1: Well, thank you, sister, and I
3: appreciate those words. I really do. I appreciate your presentation
1: tonight. I felt like it was ministry 100%.
3: Thank you so much
1: uh, Thank you very much And that was Cecilia Liana Badia All the way in Mercy, California I'm Brother Seth All the way in Forward, Texas You've been listening to Another episode of Blog Talk Radio Y'all don't leave yet All the phone lines Don't nobody hang up Because i got a nice little song For you at the end But folks, listen I really do appreciate Your time Listening Tuning in Following us Uh, those of you that have been tuned in since 2011 for sure, and especially that Douglas Kennedy family line, I really, really appreciate it. Love every single one of y'all, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. This last song, again, will speak a lot about true love, real love. The name of the song is Heavy Love by Molly. I think y'all enjoy this. Good night.